Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. Hey. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in, MD Nation. To the show, you are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show streaming to you live on social media at BellyFMDFF Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and never miss an episode. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app so you have us available to you on your commutes or maybe while you're sitting at the desk at work. Fires up on your Fire TV and Android devices when you search to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on your Amazon App Store. And newest of all, Best of all, we're now available to you guys on live streaming television, tikilive.com slash channel slash belly up. It's easier. Just follow us along on social media and hit the link there. But that is going to get even simpler soon in the future. Chris, we're going to be on places like Apple and Roku and of course, Amazon, but it's not just us. It's belly up sports in general. So that we're going to have 24 seven content coming to you guys nonstop. Great sports content off the beaten track. We are what they aren't, and I can't wait to be a part of it. This show will be a prime one in prime, you know, slots for you guys to be able to all enjoy. So big things coming and what's going to be year four upcoming next year for this show. And we've grown exponentially in that time. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dower. Chris, I'm so happy to be able to say that we have grown every single year. I'm taking on something more exciting than the last. Last year, the big addition was having you coming on to the show a couple of times a week. This year, we've expanded out, and we're going to expand out even further on our visibility and accessibility heading into 2022. And it's all because of MD Nation, the support that they have shown us, the growth that we have had, and that's why we're able to do these things. And we're going to continue to get better Chris and I both are going to work to make this show even better for you guys. But today is about the full week 18 preview for the for you amateur hour leagues out there. Okay. First of all, you shouldn't be playing whatsoever. But I know there's there's about five to ten percent of you that are. Don't worry though, for the rest of you that are turning into this show, we're gonna give our betting tips to try to win you guys some money. We're also gonna give you some of our sleepers that you might want to take a look into. For DFS purposes, which we will be back on Friday night with our MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week. This is by no means our last episode of the year or anything like that. But first and foremost, Chris, how are you doing tonight? And thanks for joining the show. 
yeah, I'm super excited about the expansion you kind of talked about. I feel like every day, every time a show we have a show, the list you read off in the beginning of where they can find us gets longer and longer, and then we have more and more friends joining us. So it's super exciting moving forward. And as for, you know, this amateur hours, you kind of call it the week 18, guys. You know, this is something that we definitely, as MD Nation, encourage you to get out or change these leagues that are ending this week. You already saw with the week 17 how that's kind of been an issue probably for you previous seasons. Now, with the extra week and with this COVID situation, it just magnifies how important it is, you know, going forward to stop playing or messing around with this unimportant last game of the season, whether expansion comes, you know, again in a couple of years or we continue to do, you know, the 17-game season. It's keeping in mind that there's no reason to waste your your leagues, especially, you know, hard-fought leagues and a, a week that basically who knows who what's playing. should be DFS Enjoyment Week, in my opinion. Which tune in well, tomorrow. Exactly. And that that's why that's why we make fun of you guys. Cause you're cha- you you have a championship for all the hard work that you put into during the season that hopefully has the two best teams or at least the two hottest teams at the right time going through the playoffs in it. Week 18 from a redraft perspective looks completely different, even from a dynasty perspective, because dynasty league should be ending at week 17, too. It looks completely different what your teams can actually trust, what you can actually play. It's no longer a reflection of the championship team that got you there in the first place. That's why we harp on this so much. That's why it's such a detriment to go into week 18. There are a number of teams that either have locked up playoff position, that can't move up or down, teams that are completely out of it, guys that are injured, that there's no way, shape, way, or form that they're going to play in week 18, or that you can trust that they'll play an entire game. And that's why it becomes such a mess. And you're going to see that as we go through. We're going to point these guys out to you and, and what to me your pivot options are going to be. But that's why we stress that point. But in the meantime, we'll continue to make fun of you. Amateur hour leagues playing into week 18. Chris, there are two. We have two Saturday games. Rest of them are on Sunday. That actually wasn't part of the original scheduling. Originally, they were all going to be on Sunday. I guess they just, the NFL decided we're going to put two games earlier on. But let's kick things off anyway with the Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Saints have a lot to play for. This is the team that I would be harping on, whether if you're looking at it from a DFS purpose or you guys are looking forward to pivot to. This is a team that has a lot to play for. They are still in playoff contention. I know it was crazy to me when I was going through the playoff lists earlier that the Saints of all teams are actually still playoff contention because they don't feel like a playoff team at all, but they are. If they were to win and San Francisco were to lose, then the Saints would actually be in in that seventh seed. So a lot to play for, and they have a smash matchup against the Atlanta Falcons on top of it heading into this matchup. So Taysom Hill, he's a top streaming quarterback for you. Alvin Kamara, you can trust him to play. They're going to need him a ton. And the other guy I'm going to throw out there is Marquez Calloway. Had a nice game last week, but last couple of weeks in particular, his usage has ticked up, even with the return of Deontay Harris or whatever his actual name is now that he changed it to. Chris, what are you seeing when it comes to the Saints fantasy players this week? Yeah, I think you hit the nail right in the head of the big three that you're basically looking at. I think Alvin Kamara, you're really excited about his, you know, his usage, hopefully, this week. Got a good matchup versus Atlanta. Team that struggles versus the running back position. And you also have a kind of commitment to Alvin Kamara to get new utilization this week. You have Taysom Hill. He talked about being a definitely great option. A guy who's got a solid flow with his, you know, using his legs. And then Callaway, a guy who's coming on strong and shows big playability. Um, a guy we've always kind of, you know, been waiting for this entire season. Maybe it's kind of clicking here with Taysom Hill. 
And this is a, a secondary you definitely can attack in Atlanta. So I like those big three. I don't really want to touch anything else for New Orleans. I think that this team still struggles with score points overall. But I think all three of those guys are definitely playable this week. Callaway is going to be the big one that people might have to pivot to because there's going to be a lot of receiving options that you normally have that may not be trustworthy plays heading into this particular week. Now, on the flip side, Atlanta, the only questionable part we have is Kyle Pitts because he did get banged up a little bit towards the end of that game. We're still waiting to see how he's going to progress throughout the week. If he's good to go, he's going to play because he's you know on the cusp of getting that thousand yards. It's a big deal for a rookie. I think they're gonna they're gonna let him play if he can in fact go. It's kind of weird though. Let's talk, comment about Kyle Pitts real quick. It's kind of weird that he's on paper had that productive of a season, but fantasy wise, it sure as heck didn't feel like it. Well, I think it's a lot of boom and bust. I mean, we saw kind of saw something like this with some of the people that had Tyler Lockett last year, where you had you look at the numbers overall for the season. You don't really feel like it's what you got, but because some, you know you have such boom games in between these duds, it's gonna kind of really reflects over the numbers. So when you look at Kyle Pitts, this is a guy that's had some great games, had some big time production, but also in between a lot of those games, it's really struggled to produce in week in week out. So I think that's why you seem kind of more disappointment for a lot of people who owned him versus kind of the you know the subjective view of people who kind of woke from the outside and looked at the stats at the end of the season. I don't know how much boom or bust it was. I can only think of one or two really good games that he even had. I think more of the synopsis for him this season and why it's it seems to be such a difference in perception of, as far as what kind of season he had is the fact that he got Julio Jones, meaning he got the all these catches, he got yards, but he got no touchdowns for a tight end. I feel like that was the biggest reason why he was a fantasy disappointment in my book. I, mean, I think that's also a big part of it, but I also think there was definitely weeks and week outs where you had like him only getting three to four, you know, catches where they, he really kind of disappeared, especially in the mid part of the season. I think that was where people got kind of soured. You had that kind of decent start, and he kind of disappeared for a long period of time. And just, you know, towards the playoff run, he started kind of responding because, you know, a lot of times on our show, we we're discussing where Kyle Pitts falls in the tight end po- totem pole between those, you know, top five guys or top options. We kept encouraging him to play in week in, week out, despite what he was kind of producing. So I think that's why you do see, like, even though his statistics are going to be decent as a top finisher in a tight end position, it was kind of a struggle weekend weekend having him in your lineup and trusting him. Well, he was consistently a top 12. So he was consistently a play for us because of the yards and the catches again that he was getting. I just hope this isn't something like there's a curse of Julio that gets passed down to the number one pass catcher of Atlanta. You're, you can get all these catches, you get all these yards, but you're never allowed to score and just frustrate the hell out of people fantasy-wise. Hopefully, that doesn't want to be the case. It's just it was just strange because Arthur Smith is a head coach and he's a guy who knows how to get tight ends to touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's if you, what he did in Tennessee. If you want to find something eerie in his numbers, I would look at how similar they are to Corey Davis's numbers. That's fair too. That's fair too. And he played a lot of white receiver. Now, does that change maybe next year when Calvin really comes back? Possibly, if Calvin really comes back, because I mean, we still don't know really what his status is with his mental health right now. Hopefully, he's doing better. But assuming he comes back, maybe that'll change. Maybe that'll help him get some of the pressure off and be able to get more mismatches in the red zone with the Atlanta offense in general, just needing to improve. But yeah, just very interesting to me where he's finishing at. Obviously, he's a guy that if he goes out there again, he'll be in my top 12. I just want to clarify something. We're not going to go through what my rankings of these players are because I had to wait. I had to wait for today, tomorrow. I will have them up on BaileyUpFantasySports.com by Thursday night. 
but there is no real way until I find out exactly, okay, who's healthy and who actually wants to play because any rankings I've made at this point would be completely thrown out the window by tomorrow. So I didn't want to go on the show saying, I got this guy ranked here. And then we found out tomorrow, like, oh, well, this team's not really going to actually try to put out its best effort to play. It was going to be pointless. So I'm waiting till Thursday night, but they will be up there for you guys to get that edge on your opponents to see where we have all our values at and hopefully reflect who we trust and who we don't. As, that's just that's also why that's also why it's so important to follow along on Twitter and everything with Dan because he has such a great stream kind of keeping you up to date. One of the big things you're waiting for is some inside information of who wants you know kind of accomplish what this weekend. You're still right. waiting to kind of see what coaches are playing for, what players are you know, willing to kind of have incentives to play for, and things along those lines. So that's why you want to keep continue to follow along. I appreciate that at Billy up MDFF show. Are you going to play Cordell Patterson? Because I'm probably going to, I'm he'll be in my top 30 because there's really no way to avoid that this week in particular. But if I could find a reason not to play him, I probably wouldn't. Yes, Atlanta is probably one of the few teams that will play their guys all four quarters. But the Saints are already one of the toughest run defense. And Patterson is losing touches and it's swaying back the other way where the committee he's in with Mike Davis is starting to lean more towards Mike Davis. Yeah, and that's still not good because he's not producing enough either to trust Mike Davis. So, no, I, I'm with you. I think Cordell Patterson's a guy that I really don't want to play in my lineup. He has basically nothing to play for. We all talked about kind of him being injured over the last few weeks and just not really you know, producing on the field. What is this guy, this guy going for a free agent year you know, over the age of 30? Why is he going to go out there and basically risk it? I'm probably saying all that and I'm running for 200 yards, but I think you should definitely avoid Cordell Patterson this week. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm with you. Look, if he has that on our face, whatever. And like I said, you guys might not have better options depending upon what is available to you and what you can trust this week either. But if I can find a pivot option, I probably would at this point. He's been dead weight throughout the entire playoffs. The only receiver you have any interest in would be Russell Gage. The volume's still kind of been there, although overall the volume of the passing attack for Atlanta in general over the past three weeks has been like Matt Ryan throwing 22 to 25 pass attempts a week. It's It's been ugh. It's been terrible, and you don't really feel great about it going up against the Saints. But if he gets to play the slot position, that's the one area you can attack the Saints at. That's where he has some volume. That's where he, at the very least, I think he has a floor wide receiver three consideration. Yeah, I put I put him in a class receiver three, you know, flex option. He's he's kind of the antithesis of Callaway in this game. If you're looking for guys a safer floor, you probably play Gage. If you're looking for the more upside, you might play Callaway. That's kind of how I view these two guys. And, you know, two guys are very similar options. But what are you looking for in your lineup? You need the upside of the safe floor. I don't know how much you really want to bet this game because <laughs> it's 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 yeah, it's not pretty. But Saints are favored minus four and a half. They're on the road against Atlanta. Now, obviously, the Saints have a lot more to gain by winning this game, and they are the better team. If their defense shows up the way they're capable of, it's not that I expect Atlanta to be able to put up a ton of points. So I'm going to have to lean towards the cover. I think Taysom Hill himself, in his, sec- in his second week back from being from COVID, I think will play a big difference. I have to expect the Saints not just win, but cover a minus four and a half here against Atlanta. I think that's actually a pretty decent line in favor of the better. Yeah, I mean, I think Atlanta's got that we'll fight. I think they'll play all their starters. I think that you're going to see them try to you know, do everything in their power to kind of try to pull this game out. But I still think the Saints are the better team and have more to play for. So I think the Saints should be able to cover as well. I, I prefer not to bet on this game if possible. You're going to hear that a lot this week because these games are just so weird <laughs> to kind of look at. Or well, that's why I look at happen. this game as a game I think you have to be able to attack because I think this is one of the few 
predictable games as far as what we can expect on who to play and who to want to win. And I think that's that's kind of the key for me. So this is one of those games we're going to try to attack. The over-under, by the way, set at 40. I'm not sniffing that. I'm not touching that because who knows what you're going to get out of either yeah, one of these This could be a 9 nothing game. So, yeah, this could be disgusting. It, it could be. And before you want to bet the under, this could also be a 24-20 game because the, both these teams know each other so well and play, and play that way on offense. Uh, moving on, though. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Talking about the Jets, the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) Poor Jets. So Buffalo actually has something to play for. (laughs) So this, I don't expect this game to be very competitive. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. So the Jets have done a good enough job to keep games close enough against good teams to where maybe Buffalo doesn't blow them out completely in the first half and actually has to play all their guys. I think if Buffalo gets a chance to set their guys, maybe come the fourth quarter, they would. The Jets have done a good enough job to keep that from necessarily being a definitive happening. But I will say this, that typically only happens when they're home. When they're on the road, they usually get their socks knocked off. So it depends on what we're going to get. Josh Allen, while he did good fantasy-wise rushing last week, was terrible passing the ball. And if he's terrible again, maybe that keeps the Jets in the game. Who knows? Here's what we know. The Bills do have something to play for because while big picture-wise, and Chris, let me ask you this question. If you're a team and you don't have a chance to get that number one seat, but you're not going to lose your playoff spot if you lose, are you going to go all out the win to win the division, even though really in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter? Would it, it maybe get you that one home game in the wild card round? Is that worth it for you to send all your guys out there? That one home game in the playoff game absolutely is worth it to me send all my guys out there, particularly if you're certain teams. I think the home field advantage is something that you, you have to prefer. I know teams can go on the road and get hot and you can kind of win, but that first game sometimes is one of the games you need to kind of you know follow to advance. And sometimes for the domino action kind of occurs. So that getting that first game and kind of having a better chance to win it, I think is your best chance to kind of advance. So for me, I'm all about trying to get to that Super Bowl. I'd rather have my guys have home field advantage that week one. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that's what we're going to see because that was a big question people were asking. Like, well, you know, if it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. But in the Bills case, if they lose Patriots win, Patriots win the division. 
So there is something to play for here. That means you could trust Josh Allen as a top, you know, three quarterback. He's going to probably be my number one quarterback on the week because he's playing against the Jets and they actually do have something to play for and you could trust him to play. Uh, Devin Singletary showed you last week against Atlanta. He's the lead guy. Matt Breida was inactive. Zach Moss was hardly involved. And I don't necessarily expect Devin Singletary to go off every time like he did last week, but this is another smash matchup for a guy who's taken over that backfield and an offense that moves the football. He is a real chance. He's going to be a high-end RB2 for me this week. What do you what do you want on Dar- D- uh, Devin Singletary? Yeah, I think he's a definitely a must-play. I think he'd love the matchup and he'd love the usage. And then you talk about a game that Buffalo should have an advantage in and it's also going to probably have some weather in their advantage to kind of run the ball as well. So I think Singletary is a good play this week. He's also going to be a DFS guy. My, my object this week, and I'm just going to give you a little – you know, a little uh, hints here as far as that when we get into that on Friday night. But I'm looking to go heavy wide receiver and cheap at running back as much as I possibly can this week because a lot of running backs, especially the ones that are priced up high, a lot of them may not be playing with the exception of Jonathan Taylor, who we'll talk about later. Receiver-wise, you fire up Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis is my guy for the second receiver on the Buffalo Bills. It's not Cole Beasley. Dawson Knox, his usage has gone way down over the past few weeks, although I still think he's probably a tight end you have to stick with because he has the touchdown upside in the matchup. You're not going to have too many better situations unless you have one of the elite guys. But Gabriel Davis is the guy, DFS purposes, fantasy purposes, you're looking for receivers to pivot to that you need to trust. I like Gabriel Davis a lot against the New York Jets this week. Yeah, I, th- I definitely agree with you with uh, Diggs. I think he might be one of the top receivers you can play this or have in your lineup this week. Um, I look at the you know the rest of the pass catchers. I think Gabriel Davis is one of those guys, and I think you're going to hear this kind of as kind of a lot for me tonight. Some of the options as a third, fourth receiver option, that flex option guy, kind of consideration. I think that's where you look at you know these different guys. I talked about Callaway earlier. Talked about um, uh, some of the safer options like Russell Gage. I think Gabriel Davis is one of those guys you can look at. Depending on how much you trust the Buffalo to kind of score, he is definitely an option. Jets are not good against the pass, despite the numbers kind of show you. Um, you know, the Jets basically don't have that ball thrown a lot against them. That's why they have decent numbers versus <laughs> receivers. But I think you look for the reduction definitely going to occur. Gabe Davis is a guy who looks they look for the red zone, also a big play guy. I think Dallas Knox is a guy I definitely like in my lineups this week as well. I think he's due for a rebound. He's been quite quiet for the last two games. The one thing you don't see the Jets do very much is blitz. And as a result, I think you're going to see him get more out in, you know, um, in, you know, in patterns. I think you're going to see him kind of have a chance to bounce back this week and have decent games because Jets really stink versus tight ends position this year. Yeah, I mean, he only had two targets last week, but both of them were in the red zone. You got to figure he bounces back. I mean, he's been a very good player all year long. It, 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 the use has just been kind of weird, but Josh Allen's been weird throwing the football in particular over the past couple of weeks, and that that really has more to do with it, I think, than than anything else. But you saw what Tom Brady, and he's Tom Brady, but saw what Tom Brady did last week with no receivers. <laughs> Mike Evans on a hamstring. Antonio Brown decided to retire halfway through the game. Uh, still Grayson, Tyler Johnson, like he got the job done with those guys. You saw Gronk really dominate his way. Now, I don't expect any of the receivers to flat out quit halfway through the game for Buffalo, but I do think everybody's going to have a nice opportunity here, and you can trust them. This week on the Jets side, Michael Carter is trying to get through the concussion protocol. If he can get through the expectation is that he would play. I think you have to play Mark Michael Carter as a low in RB two high in RB three. 
on paper, it's going to look like a terrible matchup. But again, teams that have committed to the run have found success against Buffalo, especially as of late. And Carter looked like he was about to carve up Tampa Bay before he got injured last week. I think just at this point, I know they're saying Tevin Coleman's probably going to play too. He got activated off the COVID list. They're playing for the future. I got to think they're going to let Michael Carter run if he's good to go and get some momentum moving into that future. At least that's my take on it. What do you think is going to be the backfield of this situation? Yeah, he didn't practice today, but I do agree with you. If he's the guy that does play, you got to figure they're going to use him if they have him active. So I do agree that he's a, a play option for you. Definitely an RB2, you know, low RB2, definitely a flex option for you to have in your lineups. You don't love the matchup. You say the on paper, but as you pointed out, that's more on paper than reality. You can run the ball in Buffalo. They're not a stout necessarily against the run. Um, you just got to commit to it. The Jets definitely committed to running the ball. That's something they, they didn't commit to, you know, for most of the season, even if it was uglier for no reason. Um, so I think Michael Carter has a decent floor. You do worry about when Tevin Coleman's active because with the Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, you know, got Walter usage. Sometimes they can get stupid with how they use the running backs. Um, but I do think that if they're going to have Carter active. They're playing the win in a sense. I think that means they play Carter. Agreed. James Crowder did come back to practice today and Braxton Berrios did not practice. Now they're not expecting Braxton Berrios to miss or anything like that, but the fantasy stud man himself, Braxton Berrios that people played and probably won championships off of last week. uh, I don't think he's going to be in the same situation again this week. So I wouldn't ride that pony train that has left the station. At least that's just me. Yeah. I mean, I think you can ride him to a degree. So this is how I kind of look at this, you know, these guys in a sense. And this, it's not just because of their skin color necessarily, but look at Cooper Cup and the junior Cooper Cup is Hunter Renfro. And the junior Hunter Renfro is this guy. So I think you look at each of these, you know, kind of production-wise, fantasy-wise. Braxton Berrios is a guy that they're utilizing in a slot position. He is the guy beginning between, you know, five to ten targets a game. He is one of their safety blankets. One of the things is Zach Wilson made a very much of an effort to and has not done is turn the ball over the last three or four games. So checking the ball down a lot to the slot position. I saw it was the running back for the slot receiver. It has been eating consistently. So if you're looking for that seven catches, 65 yards, and maybe a touchdown, Braxton Bears could be your man. I don't know if he gets those numbers, though. Here, here's my thing. I would not feel comfortable playing a Barrios if Jamison Crowder's in there. I'm only comfortable if I know he's the only guy getting the volume. That's that's he might be targeted more than Jameson Crowder is. That part I'm not I'm not disputing. Well, here, here's what I, here's what I think has goes for him, is that even if Crowder plays, because of how the Jets kind of have worked this season, even you saw Elijah Moore as well, they'll play Crowder on the outside before they play. Not do you not play Barrios? Barrios is going to play. So I think that's the thing that even that. if Crowder plays, they might play him on the outside and have Crowder just become disappearing and not being guy really involved. We kind of saw this on the other New York team with Shepard. I, my point is more, if Barrios has a reason to lose even three targets, it could seriously drop the floor on his fantasy value. I mean, that that's what we're talking about here. He has to be that target monster in order to provide value. Him or Russell Gage. Not, I'm not I, saying he's a receiver one. <laughs> no, 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 I know. I, I I think I'd have him lower than Russell Gage this week because of the matchup against Buffalo. Uh, I do. Russell Gage is a better position against the Saints playing the slot receiver. There. That's where he can attack the Matt Buffalo Actually, pretty good against slot receivers so far this season. As far as betting this game goes, it's a big over-under, I mean, or a big spread as we would expect. Buffalo, minus 16 over the Jets. The over-under set at 41. So I want to examine that over-under real quick. Because I think Buffalo is going to blow them out. But I think the Jets have shown that 
they clean clean up in garbage time, especially lately. So what happens when Buffalo goes up 30 and the Jets score 17 points? I mean, 30-17 is the final score that I reached in this one, so I'm actually taking the over here in this game. Yeah, I think it's an interesting take. I'm not really touching the over-under. I, I think this game is, is, is in fool's gold in a lot of ways. Buffalo has been living off you know early season success against blowing out teams, but since then has really played down to their competition week in, week out. We've seen the last two weeks, especially last week, where even in great matchups, their quarterback position, because of the turnovers, kind of limits them early on in games. I think they're going to pull it out, but I wouldn't be surprised if this game winds up being a little bit closer, especially early on, because Buffalo seems to struggle early versus teams. So the Jets are going to kind of hang around. I think they're not going to get blown out. I think they're going to lose by 16, so I wouldn't bet on Buffalo. But I don't. the, the over-under is a very interesting take. I think that's a good you know, kind of insight to kind of look at it that way. Are you taking Buffalo to cover minus 16? No. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would bet on that line either. I don't think I'd bet on the line either way. I will say this. The numbers are going to tell you to, to bet on the Jets because the Jets have actually been keeping games close. They are yep. consistently double-digit underdogs. And even when they're not home, they've usually still covered because of this astronomical line that they've had. But it's the Jets. I'm never, I'm never going to bet on I don't them. disagree with that, but look at the Atlanta team. How much more talent is that Atlanta team than this Jets team? Uh, weirdly to say, but it's true. I, I mean... Not much more, but the Atlanta has been a much better team. I mean, this was a team that just got knocked out of the playoffs a week ago. True. <laughs> I think it's just more reflection on the league. <laughs> but well, yes, it's, it's true. That's a whole different discussion for another time. Let's keep this thing moving to Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns. So the Cleveland Browns are a team we know. Okay, they're knocked out of the playoffs. Baker Mayfield's getting season's ending surgery, so it's going to be Case Keenum. In a weird way, I feel like a little bit better about that with some Cleveland Brown players, but I, this is one we don't know yet. I don't know why or if Nick Chubb would play. He picked up a rib injury during the game on Monday. They have him locked up under contract. There's nothing to play for. The same thing goes with Kareem Hunt. They still have him under contract for another year. There's nothing to play for. My eyes on Dearness Johnson on those waiver wires. Pick him up because I don't see why either one of those guys would play this. But week, he went on COVID yesterday, so that's where it's also. Oh, I must have missed that. Part. I must have yeah, missed that. Thank you for that. Yes, he did. Thank so you that, for yeah, that. I was I was with you on that one, but Dearness Johnson did. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to test out fast enough or not, but he did go on the COVID list. Well, thank you for that note because I must have missed that one making out the outline here. Okay, so maybe Nick Chubb will have to play that. <laughs> or maybe it'll be Demetric Felton. I mean, why not? There's no real reason to play Hunt or Chubb. So just keep your eye out. It doesn't mean that they won't. There's just no reason to. And if they are a little bit banged up, they probably won't. That's the other if you see, consideration. I was going to say, if you see Joe Kelly get activated from the practice squad, that should that be a, a, a telltale sign that yeah. then you don't want to play any of the starting guys. I do have some interest in Donovan Peoples-Jones, though. I mean, Jarvis Landry kind of falls into the category of a Nick Chubb cream hunt where do you play him? Maybe in his case you do because he's a little bit more, quote-unquote, healthy because he hasn't been on the injury designation for a couple of weeks now with Case Keenum being out there. But I think Keenum's good enough to get at least one wide receiver the ball. If Landry's not going to play or not play the whole game, Peoples-Jones becomes a little bit interesting to me heading into this matchup against Cincinnati, who on their end, they have nothing to play for. They can't move up or down in their playoff seat. I mean, I guess technically, if 
you know, the entire rainbow goes across the entire nation. They could actually still, in a scenario, wind up with the number one pick. But we already know Joe Burrow is not going to play. He already announced that. And we already know Joe Mixon is not going to play because he went on the COVID-19 reserve list. They've already talked about benching several of their defensive players. So this is the part where I'm looking at Cleveland's offense like, all right, who do I think is going to play the whole game, especially pass catcher-wise? I might be have a, I might have a little interest there. Yeah, I think that's a very little interest for myself. The only guy, I mean, we haven't got the opposite side of the ball, but honestly, the only player I'm even looking to play in this game, that's Maji Pirine. The rest of the players I want no part of in this game. <laughs> I've got a question here coming in from another Chris. Just a question I would appreciate feedback on. I currently have Kyle Pitts in my starting lineup, but he's a pending a, pending a hamstring injury and didn't practice today. Which tight end should I start if Pitts is ruled out? Pat Frumuth, Hunter Henry, or John Bates? For me, it's a no-brainer. It's Pat Frumuth because he's going up against the Ravens, and the Steelers are all in to try to go out winning with Ben Roethlisberger on his last game as a quarterback for them. So for me, it's hands-down Pat Frumuth. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this... But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Yeah, I think you have the most you know chance for the most floor and upside with Vermouth. I think this is a guy you see one of Big Ben's favorites. You see him trying to feature the guys he likes. This guy threw 31 passes in their first half last week. So I think you're going to continue to see the opportunity for some volume for Muth. I think he's got you winning a lot this week about his choices. All right, let's just dip back to the Cleveland-Cincinnati game. Let's jump on the Cincinnati side of the ball. So no Joe Mixon, that means Samaja Perrine most likely lead the way. I think we'll probably see a little bit of Chris Evans mixed in there as well. Uh, and we know Brandon Allen's going to be the quarterback. So automatically you don't really love any of the receivers because Brandon Allen's the quarterback. But again, if Burrow's going to sit and Mixon's going to sit, well, I mean, Chris, why wouldn't Chase or T Higgins sit? Yeah. They're already talking about that, how much they're going to play or how much involved they'll actually be out there. One thing you want to want to pay attention to, like for Jarvis Landry and some of his receivers, is there some kind of, you know, benchmark numbers with salary cap wise or something that has to do with bonuses they're trying to achieve Then maybe you kind of see some of these guys get more playing time than maybe you expect. That's another thing I kind of wait for to find out. But other than that, I really don't see any of these receivers being playable. I think you're going to see some of the backup guys. You're going to see a Tate. You're going to see a Brown. You're going to see, you know, Cincinnati doesn't have bad backup receivers in a sense, so they can play some of their other guys. You might see Chase and Higgins out there maybe for a quarter, maybe half, but I think you're not going to see them be utilized the entire game of the quarterback. It's not going to be the whole game. I, I don't see any way it's the whole game. I'm with you on that one 100%. <laughs> This is going to be, I know there seems to be a lot in the up in the air, but I'm going to tell you the right this. The Browns are going to win this game because the Bengals have no interest in winning this game. The, the line is set at minus six in Cleveland, the over-under at 38. I pretty much agree with that over-under. Yes, it's going to be a disgustingly low game. I'm going to take the Browns to cover minus six. Again, even if guys like Chase and Higgins play, we don't expect to be more than a half, really. And like we already know they have key guys going to be out. We already know they're going to have key defensive guys being out. I think Cleveland wins this game. 
So I'm just going to throw a little conspiracy thing out there, and I could be wrong. Okay. But we know the Cleveland Browns have been heavily into analytics for a while there. I know they had different you know, regime change in some senses. But, boy, watching that game versus Pittsburgh, it sure felt like they did not want to win that game come hell or high water. And I do not wonder if they don't want to not win and kind of keep, you know, sabotage their, their seating for draft-wise, and they were not trying to just kind of play not to win the game. Um, so that would be my only concern about kind of what your argument is why they're going to be able to win this week. So I'm going to, I'm going to put this out there. I heard this. This is not my original take. I heard this take somewhere else and I, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, part of it had to do with probably the Nick Chubb injury. So they didn't, they weren't, they didn't feel like they could go to the offense. That they thought they wanted to go to, but the other part of it is perhaps they felt like, you know what? We're done. Baker, let's see what you can do. If we unleash you and tell you to, you know what? We're playing the Steelers. Go make something happen because you have it all season long. If we actually build the offense around you throwing it, what happens? And I think that was part of it too. I think there was kind of a little bit of experiment going on. But that's not going to happen with Case Keenum at quarterback. They're going to run a very specific offense, and he's not going to take over-the-top chances. And I think as long as he doesn't do that, they should win this game against the Bengals, a team that doesn't really want to win this game. That would be That would be my defense to it. That's why I'm picking the Browns minus six. It's a long week. Follow us on social media at Billy BFF show. Things could change. We'll be back on Friday. We'll talk about betting these games again. Things could change then too. Uh, talk about teams that don't have anything to play for. Packers going into this week. They lock up. Congrats to them. The number one seed in the NFC. Best record in the NFL. Rodgers pretty much already came out and said, they're like, I'm not freaking playing this game. What are you nuts? Hurt my toe last Sunday. Nothing to play for against the Detroit Lions. They're on their way to having home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So I wouldn't expect to see Rodgers out there. <laughs> Aaron Jones did practice today, which shocked me. I don't see any scenario in which you risk Aaron Jones who's been dealing and managing an MCL knee injury for the past few weeks. Why would you risk him out there? I'm not really sure. The only thing I can guess is maybe they have some of these guys playing for, you know, a quarter or two quarters. They don't want to embarrass Jordan Love right off the bat. Um, Devontae Adams came out and said something similar where, you know, he's not anticipating playing the whole game at all. And he pretty much put a kibosh on that even being a possibility. But he didn't say that he's not playing the game. So maybe they're kind of looking at his opportunity to maybe have some of these guys out there for a quarter or a half to kind of keep the offense moving, kind of keep it clicking. I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Jones, you know, his – Usage was very still limited, even if he was active, um, to kind of, to kind of you know, advert some of that risk that you're talking about, if he is to play. Well, this is where I wish we had kind of more of the inside information of, do we know what kind of bonuses they have built into their contracts? Because that this is the type of week where that can come into play. Like if they have a certain amount of starts, maybe they get a bonus or a certain amount of yardage, things of that nature. That can kind of tell you sometimes in these situations why a guy like an Aaron Jones might want to play or a Devontae Adams would want to at least start the game, if not finish the game. I don't know if any of that's going on. But yeah, as you said, I was going to get to Adams. He's already talking about he doesn't expect to play. They basically plan this out to be a preseason game for the Packers. The one guy I would play, and heck, given the scenario, he might make my top 12, is A.J. Dillon. Because I'd see they'll just ride him out and close out this game and make it go away as fast as possible. I really think that's a big plan for the Packers heading into this week. See, I'm even reluctant to play A.J. Dillon because I think he's part of their quote-unquote starting group. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see him play very much in a Detroit like a preseason game. He's another guy who kind of get, disappears as the game continues. I guarantee AJ Dillon has more work than Aaron Jones and gets to the double digit work. I, I don't, I don't, teams don't typically, while they'll rest guys, they don't usually go all the way down to the third string running back if they can help it. So I do think AJ Dillon will be in for a healthy amount of workload and a nice smash matchup against Detroit. He's the only Packer who I feel good about, though, heading into this game. On the flip side, on the Lions side, Boy, did Dan Campbell lie to us about DeAndre Swift last week, didn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man, he's going to be unleashed. He's going to be no limitations. And snap-wise, and this was mostly because of the second half, he wound up leading the way in snaps. But touches? I mean, he was operating as the third-string running back for the entire first half, and he didn't get that involved in the passing game. Detroit's probably going to play all their guys that can play. We don't know about Jared Goff yet. He wasn't able to practice. He might not be able to go. It might be Tim Boyle again this week, but I'm on Ross St. Brown, a wide receiver one heading into a week like this because we know he's going to be out there, and Tim Boyle has shown, I'm going to get that guy the ball no matter what. I don't know if it's just Tim Boyle. I think it's the coaching staff because one thing about DeAndre Swift, <laughs> talk about DeAndre Swift's usage, what you didn't see DeAndre Swift out there involved in the passing game is because he wasn't playing in the third down running back position. They had St. Brown yeah. back there most of the time playing the third well, down. Well, Craig back. Reynolds back there just to block, too, a lot of the time. That's a lot of what we saw as well. I can't imagine that continues in the next year, but heading into this week, it might. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that you, you know, you're you going to look for to happen more than likely because it seems Detroit Owens and Brown and, you know, the coach Campbell in particular – is looking to try to get St. Brown the ball as much as he possibly can, no matter how he can, and really seems committed to kind of utilizing him in that hybrid role. I think that was one thing that really stood out to me watching that game. As you talked about, Reynolds got some block opportunities, but it was an obvious passing situation on third down. The guy you usually expect to be out there is obviously DeAndre Swift. That's what he kind of made his living off this year with, and he was not that guy. St. Brown was getting that guy running the option routes and the angle routes out of the backfield, even in the red zone. Yeah, it, it was very, very strange. And like I said, in the second half, as they were getting blown out, Swift started to be on the field more. He got a few more touches in the fourth quarter. So maybe this was just a matter of it was his first game back from the injury. They weren't actually looking to unleash him right away. Maybe they're trying to be smart long-term, or maybe they just let him go off this week after having a week back and, and getting his feet wet. I don't know. That's the thing about the Lions right now. They're a headache. I'll say this, Chris, and I'll pose this question to you. If you're in a redraft league, you have DeAndre Swift, and you have a plethora of backs that you don't know if you can trust given their situations, I kind of feel like you're going to have to play them. Yeah, I would really, really have to be in dire, dire straits to have any reason to play him. Um, I just feel like last week you kind of seen the other running backs get usage and St. Brown steering his receptions. You really don't have a floor for this guy right now to have in your lineup, especially the championship game if you happen to be playing in that league this week. There is no active lines on this game, and mm-hmm. it doesn't doesn't really shock me. Uh, just everyone, they no one has any idea exactly how many Packers starters are really going to play this game. So I'm not really surprised by that at all. So what we're going to do, though, is take a quick break. Come back on the other side. we got more games to preview, more bets to be had, more crazy week 18 fantasy erroneous messes to try to clear up for you guys so everybody stay tuned to the empties fantasy football show we'll be back right after this MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. 
Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And let's say it with me. We're streaming live on social media at Show. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app. Fire us up on your Amazon App Store for your Fire TV devices and stream us live on any device, on any streaming TV device, because we are live, baby, live on television, Chris. The MD's Fantasy Football Show on TikiLive.com slash channel slash belly up. I'm your host, Dan Mater. Of course, I'm joined here with Chris Dowhower for tonight. We're previewing the full week of 18, giving you our fantasy expectations for whatever they're worth, because it's probably going to change very drastically as we find out more information. Make sure you follow us on social media for that, because we'll keep you up to date throughout the week. And But we're also giving you our betting tips. We're going to try to win you guys some money. We're going to be back on Friday with the MD's DFS contest. That episode will continue throughout the playoffs. It's going to be airing on Wednesdays, though. It's not going to be airing on Friday. It'll be Wednesdays at 9 o'clock. We'll do that and have Chaz Filardi on to talk about our lock bets of the week leading into the playoffs. We'll preview all that. So it'll be fun. And we're, we'll be down to one show a week, live anyway, uh, once that kicks off. This is our last week of a full week of shows. And I'm... Chris, I have to say, like week eighteen, it was a, it's a very bittersweet moment. Bitter in the sense that the regular season's over. I mean, this is what we dive into. This is what our heart goes into. All of our content goes into. Our analysis goes into. But at the same time, it's sweet because now I get to jump into off season things and do the research and kind of do the stuff behind the scenes that not everybody gets to see. But it, what really goes into making the show better once the season starts and getting more in-depth analysis for everyone. We plan on doing some major overhauls, not just production-wise, but algorithm-wise to just continue to be improving for MD Nation. That's how I kind of viewed it. I also viewed it as the season felt long, but it also felt short at the same time. I don't know how you feel about all that. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with how the season kind of felt long, but you know, also felt short at the same time. Um, it felt long in the sense of just all the things we just continue to deal with with the covid the consistent changes from week to week of who's available, who's not available. Um, you know, the messes that kind of existed from some of these draft classes that we kind of expected different things, results from, you didn't see really that, you know, usually as a rookie quarterback that kind of starts stepping up as a fantasy option as the season progresses. Instead, you see Trevor Lawrence just, you know, just really struggling. You see Zach Wilson getting a little bit better, but it's still not fantasy relevant. 
Um, so I think in a lot of ways, you're just kind of ready for the season to be over. But then on the flip side, it's a very exciting time and it's been very quick because the season just seems to be, you know, just yesterday, we just kind of kicked it off. I can't believe we actually have an extra week of football already and we're still yeah. continuing, you know, it's already kind of, you know, be able to be over for the regular season part of it. I do think one of the things exciting about the break that we kind of get in recharging for next year and kind of getting excited. Um, I noticed myself kind of over the last three to four weeks, especially as some of these games and some of these teams kind of been exposed to have just how pathetic and poor they really are, have kind of started drifting, thinking about some of the offseason stuff where I kind of love the fantasy, you know, free agent implications and some of the draft implications that our show kind of tackles, but also kind of diving into some of the things we talked about, you know, what are we going to do to kind of benefit MD Nation next year, kind of moving forward, especially with the new platforms that we're kind of having available to us. And, you know, be, you know, be belly up sports in general is kind of being exposed to with the radio, and the television, you know, deals moving forward. So I think all these things are very exciting. It's a season and it kind of needs to end, but also seasons is kind of feel like just began. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like next year is going to begin starting next week. Like, like already for us because there's just so much to do, so much exciting to have. I, I know for us, we're definitely going to have our NFL draft coverage special again. It was a very su- big success last year. We had a ton of guests on. We plan on doing the same exact thing again. Uh, we're at least going to cover the first three rounds. We might cover all seven this year. We have to exa- see exactly how that's all going to work out and whether that's going to be possible or not. But things are in the works. And this offseason, I plan on making sure we have even more of a focus on the dynasty side of things, best ball as we get closer into the summer and things of that nature. So we're really going to be expanding what we cover, too, here on the MD Saints Football Show, along with our analysis and production and everything else. But let's we welcome ahead. ideas and feedback, so that's why also hit us up. Yeah. Yeah, hit a DM us. If you if there's something on the show that you guys wish we covered a little bit more or wanted to help you out with, we're open to feedback. We're open to all that stuff. You guys are why we're expanding and growing in the first place. So feedback from you and how to make the show better for your personal use is definitely encouraged. Definitely encouraged and much appreciated too. All right, so let's dive into the Patriots. The Dolphins get this thing on the road because we're falling back on time here, but that's what happens in the last show of the year. You, you tend to have other things you want to talk about. The Patriots, you got Damian Harris. He didn't, uh, I think he was, Limited in practice limited. Today with the official report. From what I understand, he was very limited. So I don't know how much work he actually did today. Working off that hamstring injury, the Patriots do have something to play for. So that is in the mix here. So if Harris can go, he'll probably play. But Ramondre Stevenson should be, I believe, at least a flex play consideration, knowing that Harris is dealing with the hamstring injury, and they could just turn to him at any point, or he'll at least still be involved. 
Yeah, I think that he's definitely a guy that you can have on your 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 flex option radar because I think as you talked about whether Harris plays or not, he's still going to be involved in this game. You've already seen them kind of split times when both are healthy as it is. Now that Ramondre Stevenson is going to be healthier of the two going into the playoffs, I think they're going to err in the side of caution and that overexpose Harris. So I think definitely Stevenson is a good option this week. I tend to agree with that. Hunter Henry is no different for me than he is any other week. He's a he's a streaming touchdown hopeful tight end that maybe you have to go to if you don't have other options. But obviously, if he doesn't score. Is it, is it three catches for 23 yards and a touchdown or three catches for 23 yards and no touchdown? Bingo. Are you going to trust a Jacoby Myers at all? He had a, a nice game last week. No Nelson Aguilar. Any um, I, receiver, Christian Wilkinson, who made a, a, a appearance last week. Well, I will say just in a tip just for Dynasty League people, I do know Wilkerson is somebody the Patriots have been high on since the beginning of the season. They loved him, you know, this offseason and loved him in camp. They loved what they saw him in preseason games. So I do know that they are a big owners guy. Um, having said that, it's not somebody I want to have in my you know lineup, especially the championship week this week. So the Dolphins are an interesting position too, because while they're out of the playoffs, when you get these divisional rival matchups, sometimes I like being able to ruin their divisional rival matchups day by being pulled. So I think the Dolphins are going to be full go. Now they don't have a lot of fantasy value to begin with, but Jalen Waddle, somebody you're going to have to play. He's one of the few guys I think you can trust. He'll play all four quarters. He'll get the targets that you need. Yes. The Patriots make a habit of taking away the number one wide receiver. Of course, it's going to be an issue, but tell me a better option than Jalen Waddle this week. Yeah, I would definitely be, you know, Scared to play Jalen Waddle because you did see him basically have the game plan t- to take him away last week. It didn't completely knock him out. He still had, like, four, I think, four catches of 45 yards. You kind of depended on that big catch for 33 yards that he kind of had. Um, but, yeah, I think one of the things that you are concerned is that the Patriots have no reason not to just focus on taking Jalen Waddle away. Because as you see, this offense cannot do anything with anybody else other than him right now. And well, it would be something smart. targets and was still irrelevant. Uh, yeah, it, it was kind of brutal. This whole offense needs a, a complete rebuild, especially from the offensive line outs. And I'm sure they're going to, for the third year in a row, have a new offense coordinator heading into next year. I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Is there any interest in Duke Johnson? While the other running back, whether it's been Philip Lindsay or Miles Gaskin, has changed over the past few weeks, Duke Johnson has consistently led this team as far as playing time in the backfield we have a track record of the Patriots allowing some big running performances. Is Duke Johnson an RB3, a flex play, a dart throw to you at all? Yeah, I think he is a dart throw, a flex play. I think he's one of those guys that you're a little bit nervous putting in your lineup. But as you talked about, the Patriots can be exposed using the running game. The Dolphins have one guy who seems to be playing hard out there offensively, and that seems to be Duke Johnson. He even tested the he's eye test last week. Right now. Yeah, he is, and he's one of the guys that you talk about the Dolphins are going to probably spoilers. He has to be a big part of that because he's one of the guys who kind of brings the attitude for their offense. Um, I think Duke Johnson is somebody that you can have. A, the only thing you're worried about him is kind of that sporadic use in the passing game. If it becomes a game they fall you know, heavily behind, they kind of just come check down the Gaskin, and he becomes the guy out there. But right now, Duke Johnson is the guy I think that you know, when you talk about some of the other flex options you might have available to you, he's just as good as any. Uh, Sorry about betting this game. The Patriots on the road are favored at minus six and a half. The over-under set at 40. Chris, do the Patriots cover minus six and a half? Oh, man. I want to say yes. It's the Patriots. They should. 
I just have a feeling this game is going to be a really ugly game and a really close game. Um, I could see them winning by like four or five, um, and you know, just kind of an ugly thirteen to nine type of game. <laughs> That's honestly what it kind of feels like is coming. I think it's going to depend on what Dolphins defense shows up because what we saw last week against the Tennessee Titans, I don't know what that was. Their team at earlier in the season, yes, you've been you were able to run on, but you have not been able to run on them very well for the past six weeks until suddenly Dante Foreman did his Derrick Henry impression, and they just got completely torched apart as a result to that. The Patriots can do something very similar with their backfield, whether it is Ramondre Stevenson or Damian Harris. So I think it's going to come down to their play because it's in Miami. I'm going to take Miami plus six and a half. I think this game comes down to a field goal, maybe four point type of deal. I do think they're able to keep it within that six and a half. I'm with you. I think it's going to be a low scoring, close game in this matchup. So give me Dolphins plus six and a half uh, here for me. I do think the Patriots win, though, if you're looking for who's going to win this game. Let's move on to Chicago, Minnesota. Two teams that are out of the playoffs completely, don't have anything to play for. But Minnesota, I think Mike Zimmer needs to make sure he wins this game to have any chance of retaining his head coaching position. So he's going to have that. Chicago, Matt Nagy, you can make the argument is uh, maybe he has the mindset of the same thing. I don't see there's any scenario. I don't care if they win this game or not where Matt Nagy doesn't get fired, but you could argue he has the same mindset of a Mike Zimmer where he's trying to make sure he can make the best compelling case he can do to keep his job for another season. So actually whoever's healthy, I think is going to play uh, David Montgomery. I think is safe to trust and he's going to be a smash player in a smash matchup this week. Uh, the same thing goes Darnell Mooney. I think he's going to be a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three with the big playability. Again, smash spot this week. Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback. They've already confirmed that he'll be a streamer against the Minnesota Vikings, especially he goes back to running the football the way he had throughout December. Uh, anything you have to add to that, disagree with, anything on Chicago's side? I think it's really kind of interesting where we have Matt Nagy, as you talked about, you know, dead man sitting right now. Actually, probably seems more relaxed and comfortable because this has been something that's been ongoing for a while. Versus a Zimmer who seems to be kind of a no man's land where he's coaching for his job, but his jobs are already kind of been decided. I think um, they didn't make the playoffs. That's what they were basically the mandate was for them to kind of advance. And you're seeing a lot of push from the outside in Minnesota, particularly the media to kind of vilify him and kind of push Minnesota to move in a new direction in a, in a different way and kind of uh, build their franchise particularly the things we're calling out, for example, his defensive coordinator's son calling defensive, being a defensive coordinator and calling you know, some of the plays and his involvement. Um, so I think there's a push in Minnesota to kind of change the guard. And I think as a result, Mike Zimmer, as you talked about, has no intentions of trying to lose a game. I think you saw him kind of bristle about that when he got talked about the Kelly Mon, you know, being used. Kirk Cousins did come off COVID. I think you can kind of read the tea leaves, in my opinion, in this one a little bit. If he is the talk more and more about, you know, being open to playing some of the younger guys, I think there's an assurance that Mike Zimmer is going to come back. If he has no insurance, I think that he's going to go out guns blazing kind of thing, and he's just going to, you know, um, play the starters. I think Nagy's similar situation. Matt Nagy knows he's not coming back, so he has no reason not to play Montgomery. He has no reason not to, you know, save Mooney or Al Robinson or anybody out there. He's going to throw them all to the Wolves. So I think in the sense that you can trust some of the guys are out there who start more predictable games as a result, as far as who you expect to play. The only question I would have is Dalvin Cook on Minnesota. 
that that would be the question I had with how injured he is with nothing to play for, unless there's some sort of bonus in his contract that we don't know about. I don't see why you run Dalvin Cook out there. I really don't. No, I, I so I know this is kind of weird to say, but I feel like this is like a Ben Roethlisberger thing in a sense for Mike Zimmer. If the guys are going to play, especially the veterans, if they're active and they're the ones playing over the younger guys, I think they're going to go out guns blazing and play hard for them. I don't disagree with that. I don't. That would, but I guess my point would be more: we got to watch a guy like a Dalvin Cook very, very closely. I just wouldn't be surprised if it was Alexander Madison and maybe everybody else, as far as the veteran starters do play. It's just Cook in particular because of how, let's face it, how banged up he is coming through this season. It was just just wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. So something I'm watching there, but I'm streaming a guy like a Kirk Cousins against Chicago. I do think he plays the whole game. And Justin Jefferson, fire him up. Feel great about him. K.J. Osborne, I think, is a high, a higher-end wide receiver three than most options. And even Tyler Conklin might be in that streaming territory. He'll probably be my top 16, so he'll be a streaming tight end for me heading into this week as well. Yeah, I love I love K.J. Osborne's upside. you kind of seen him have a solid, solid floor recently without Adam Thielen in the lineup. And you've also seen Chicago struggle versus slot receiver. Tight end position is a little more tougher. Chicago's been pretty good over, overall versus tight end position statistically. Uh, Conklin kind of has that hit and miss you know, moments about him. He's kind of the guy that loses in the red zone a little bit. But his game in general doesn't necessarily have to be, necessarily be a shootout, um, even though some of these guys might be playing. So I do think it's a game that I'm not feeding, my, feeding too many pass catchers, looking to feed too many pass huh. catchers <laughs> offense. Um, well, speaking of it being or not being a shootout, though, <laughs> It's over under a forty four and a half. That's one of the that's one of the higher over unders we've talked about yeah. so far. I know it's going to be some ugly football again this week, guys. Yeah, Sorry, it it, it it truly is. Minnesota's favored minus three and a half at home. I'm I'm taking Minnesota to win this game. If they're going to play all their starters, I'm with you, Mike Zimmer. They're going to win this game against Chicago. I'm taking I'm taking the Vikings to cover. It's one of my few feel good lock bets. We'll call it of the week. Agreed. Okay. I don't know if you have anything to add to that other than agree. I love it. Short and sweet. So let's move into our next matchup. <laughs> oh, I don't want to watch this game. Uh, Washington, New York Giants. Yeah, that is brutal. brutal. Some great quarterback play in this game we're expecting. Oh, man. So, yeah, Jake Fromm, he's a starter. Mike Glennon, he's out. And you can't yank him for anybody. <laughs> But it doesn't matter how bad he's gonna be. On the flip side, I I know Antonio Gibson got activated off the of COVID, but we're talking about guys who have no reason to play. Boy, does he have no reason to play this week. I expect to be Jared Patterson. Now, Patterson, if he is a starter, hell, he's an RB2. Yeah, I want to be confident that Gibson doesn't play. I think Ron Rivera is an idiot. I could see him being a guy that doesn't. Yeah. Playing for some stupid reason, try to say that this is you know playing for next year. Um, I agree with you 100. percent Those guys have banged up the entire season. Why let them get a rest? Why not kind of go with Patterson to see if you have something kind of moving forward to resign next year? Um, guy Moses, on director free agent that you signed for your team, so he's not somebody necessarily you're definitely going to bring back. So you can see, I would like to see what he has. But I do think if Patterson is the guy, he definitely has a flex option, RB2 up, upside. If Gibson's going to be out there. I don't love the matchup for any guys because I think you're going to see all these guys kind of get involved as that game progresses because, as we're pointing out, there's nothing really for Washington to be playing for um, other than, I guess, pride. Yeah, uh, that would be the only reason. I'm with you, though. I don't trust Ron Rivera to make the smart long-term decisions. It's not something he does, but Antonio Gibson's 
toe might be banged up enough where they at least do the smart thing as far as that goes. And that, that's kind of what I'm looking at with this thing. So I would get ready to fire up a Jared Patterson, look for him in DFS. He'll be a cheap option out there for you guys too. Chris, one wish I have for 2022, Terry McLaurin and Allen Robinson just need to go somewhere with a quarterback. Maybe, you know, maybe follow Russell Wilson, wherever he winds up at. Just go somewhere with a quarterback. I'm tired of watching guys like Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson just get absolutely wasted because I have to watch what would be a backup, backup quarterback on a good team be their starting guy. Remember how excited we were that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the quarterback of Washington just because he has the track record of actually getting his number one receiver the ball. Do you remember that? Because I do, and I feel very bad for Terry McLaurin. Having said all that, I think you probably have to play him as at least as a wide receiver three against the Giants. Yeah, especially if the commitment last week they made out, you know, out loud basically by the coaching staff saying we need to get this guy more involved, despite him basically limping out there with one leg and no reason to involve him even more. But they made a commitment last week to do so, so there's no reason that I should go back this week. I'm with you. I want to see Terry McLaurin have a quarterback, so Al Robinson have a quarterback. But also, can we add to that list an actual offensive coordinator has to utilize these guys properly? Um, one of the things Terry McLaurin's annoying with me is I can't stand Scott Turner's offensive coordinator. I think that he gets kind of a lot of excuses. The quarterback's a big position. And the reason why I was so excited about Fitzpatrick wasn't only just because he's better upgraded than some of the quarterbacks they have, it's also because he's willing to kind of go against Scott Turner's tendency to be captain check down, super conservative. We're going to take shots to a guy who can make game play, game-changing plays in Terry McLaurin. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Yeah, but yes, I, I do think he's a guy you got to like a lot of the week in receiver three, probably receiver two, maybe. Yeah, maybe even receiver two, because depending upon what's going to even be available to you that you trust. What about John Bates? That's the name that's coming up a lot this week. Is he a, a, a streaming option for you with Ricky Seals Jones out and the tight end position, generally speaking, have having been the second passing option, let's say, to Terry McLaurin as far as volume wise on a consistent basis on this team? I think that he's uh, kind of a wild card throw. If you're really desperate, maybe you put him in or for DFS purposes. He's I really cheap, I think he's more I, of a DFS play. But yeah, I think that your ceiling is really limited. You haven't really seen heavy involvement from him. He hasn't kind of taken that you know Thomas role where he's getting six, seven, eight catches a week. He's getting maybe three or four. So you you see some limited red zone usage. But the problem for this Washington offense and you know for him in general is they just don't score points. They can't move the ball consistently and get touchdowns or production. So I don't trust any. So I mean, it's hard to trust Terry McLaurin. Definitely not trusting your tight end. Washington stinks. Dan Snyder in that front office is a disaster. But there is one thing I'm going to give them a round of applause on. They're going to announce an actual team name on February second. Chris, we finally will not have to call it the Washington football team. 
I don't know what we're going to call it. I'm just it. petrified it's going to be something like the Pelicans name was. Like, it's just going to be something awful. Anything's we'll better see. than the Washington football team. I don't. I would take the Pelicans over the Washington football team. I really would. Uh, okay, let's go over to the New York Giants. So, yeah, as we said, Jake Fromm, he's going to be the quarterback, which means catastrophe. I don't care if Darius Tony is healthy. There's not a single Giants receiver that I'm touching. I couldn't believe this when I saw this stat that Saquon Barkley had his first 100-yard rushing game last week against Chicago since 2019. Two full years. And he had 21 carries, which generally speaking you would like. But then you saw Devontae Booker had 18. And he still and Barkley wasn't involved in the passing game. Mike Glenn only threw the ball 11 times last week. Part of that was due to the hand injury, which shows you how much confidence they have in Jake Fromm. They wouldn't pull Mike Glenn. They'd rather just run the ball down 26 points than put Jake Fromm in the game where they're going to have to start this week. So my analysis is that they're probably going to run the ball a crap ton again this week. Saquon's an RB2 at the least. Fire him up and play him. Yeah, I mean, I. It's this number there, one it's usage, it's the pattern. It's it's the touches are there. I, you can't ignore it. <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, it was stupid the usage of Saquon Barkley and that guy. He should definitely shut down. Definitely have any intentions of saving his future for your franchise. But you're right. He got tons of usage last week. Um, right now, that offensive line is so pathetic that the reason it wasn't just because of the hand injury that Michael went through eleven times. It was because. Four first four passes they attempted, two of them were picked off in return. One returned for a touchdown. The other two, the guy was immediately sacked. Um, there was nine sacks in that game. The Giants' offensive line is just basically uh, uh, can't be blocked in a shadow um, or anything. And I have no trust in anybody moving the ball or anything. You know, Saquon got the touches last week. Good luck if you think you're getting another 20 carries out of Saquon because I wouldn't be surprised. If these both these teams have, you know, well, I think it's guaranteed to get another twenty carries out of Saquon. What production you get out of that will be the question. But that I think is guaranteed. I think they're going to do nothing but just try to run the football with Jake Fromm the quarterback. I think that's all they're going to do, whether they're up or down. <laughs> that's yeah. Jason Garrett, where are you? Still there somewhere? Why don't uh, are you hiding behind the mask? It doesn't look any different. Uh, quickly, I mean, because we're all running behind. But quickly, we we got to comment on this. What a, what do you make of the stories about Joe Judge and Daniel Jones having a legitimate chance to return next season? All right. So the other New York franchise that we kind of hit earlier than I thought we were going to in the show, I wanted to go on a little rant. But the Giants are another team that's just it's completely idiotic if they plan on running this back. The scapegoat for this season cannot just be Jason Garrett. It cannot just be Dan Gettleman. Because part of the situation is, number one, Dan Gettleman hired both those guys. So why would the guy he hired not be part of their problem? Judge has done nothing, in my opinion, to develop the talent on the Giants. The offense does not look any better. Players have not shown improvement to me. The only person maybe you can argue is Thomas showed some improvement this season. The quarterback position, Daniel Jones, is just much of a question mark as he has consistently been. You added more weapons, quote-unquote, for him, and the offense continues to be putrid. You change coordinators and brought in kitchens. Both these guys are once again judge hires, and both these guys both have been pathetic as offensive coordinators. And then you listen to this guy rant and rave about how people, free agents down, want to talk about coming back to the Giants and playing for him. 
that's absolute bullshit. I mean, who's going to sit there and tell you as another team that I want to come play for you as a free agent? He's making up stories. So I think this is a situation where it just seems like a complete idiotic shit show that I think the Giants need to move on from. But they're the Giants, and they want to continue to be pathetic, I guess. So, you know, bring back Daniel Jones and bring back Judge and somehow imagine somehow it's going to get better next year. I mean, of all the media markets, New York, I just don't see how the fans let them get away with it. I, I just I just don't how, how there's not rise in the streets, especially with the Giants. The Jets, I mean, they're used to being crappy. The Giants, at least, have a little bit more of a tradition of actually winning. It's just surprising to see that there has been more fire under all these people to begin with, uh, which has been more shocking to me than anything else. As far as betting this game, you ready for this? Washington favored minus seven on the road. The over-under, 38. <laughs> Give me the under, by the way. I think it's going to be under 38. I really do. I am going to bet on the under in that game. So I will bet on Washington to cover. I will not bet on the under, even though I 100% agree with you. <laughs> I just feel like the way this season has gone, watch Jake from through for 400 yards and both offenses look spectacular out there no, this week just no because chance. that's how it's been. There's no, there's no chance. Zero chance that happens. Zero chance. Mike White through for 400 yards. Point. We'll see. Jake Fromm's already had his chance, and he wasn't even Mike White. I thought he would check the ball down like Mike White because he did it in Georgia, and he wouldn't do it. I, no, no, zero, zero chance that happens. Here's a game that's kind of interesting. We're staying in the NFC East. We got we got Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles. Two teams again can't go up or down. The Eagles are locked into the wild card. Dallas has already won a division. They can't get the number one seed. I haven't heard too much though about either one of these teams benching any of their starters or playing their starters halftime, which is kind of been surprising to me is it because it's the divisional rival they're going to actually play against each other in a, a ramp up playoff game or are we going to find out later in the week that people aren't going to start sitting yeah i'm really curious myself i haven't heard much much about you know kind of the feedback we do make a parsons one on you know COVID 19 list so that's going to be something that definitely impacts dallas's defense overall um i i think Thought Dallas had a little something to play for in a sense of where they could, if they were advanced for a certain team, they, they maybe get home field. Seed. They could get okay. the second seed, and that would allow, of course, that would that would mean they would get more than just one home playoff game. You know, it, assuming they won the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I could see uh, it being very interesting how it kind of folds, and I definitely keep my ear to the you know seeing who's going to play what. But if both teams play their starters, I actually think the Eagles are going to pull out this game because I think they actually have something more to play for in the sense of revenge. Dallas kind of blew this team out earlier in the season, kind of embarrassed them on national TV. The Eagles seem to have, seem has historically got the last word versus Dallas weekend, year in, year out. So I wouldn't be surprised if another year ends with the Eagles kind of upsetting Dallas um, and, and kind of sabotaging their chances in the playoffs to get that second seed. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me either. So, so I think we haven't heard these two teams come out and talk about, you know, benching anybody they normally wouldn't, let's say. We know Miles Sanders wasn't going to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. We know Jordan Howard's a little bit banged up, but Boston Scott's going to play. We know that, and Boston Scott's going to be a real fantasy asset this week. I mean, Howard's a little bit more banged up than I, I think we realized heading into last week because we both kind of like towered a little bit more until you saw the stinger was kind of having him play a little bit more limited than he probably normally would have. So Boston Scott, to me, becomes the lead back heading into this matchup. Without Mika Parsons, I'm not as worried about 
Dallas shutting down the run. They get, they're still going to be tough in the front four, but Boston Scott in particular in the passing game should have more opportunities than he normally would as well. So Boston Scott is actually going to be a, a high-end flex play, maybe even a low-end RB2 for me heading into this week. We know Dallas Goddard, I believe, is on the COVID list as well. I should mention that Goddard, Scott, and Howard are on the COVID list as it currently is. But from what I'm hearing, I think they're expecting Scott to clear. I haven't heard about the other two. Yeah, I haven't heard about the other two either. I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, game well being somebody you should be adding on your waiver wires because Boston Scott's situation. Just, just in case. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Have him as a pivot option to be able to go to. If Goddard's out, Devonta Smith, look, Dallas. Say what all you want about Diggs, but he allows the big play. And if there's no Dallas Goddard, the targets will get consolidated to Devonta Smith. Yeah, Diggs has got up over a thousand yards already this season. People don't talk about that, you know, despite because of interceptions, he makes the big plays, but he's got up yards she talked about. Um, I think Smith is probably the only option that you can consider in the passing game if you know Goddard doesn't play. Outside of that, I mean, I think if, if Hurts plays, you're streaming him, at, or not streaming him, you're playing him as a QB1 like you have all season long. That doesn't change. On the Dallas side, I mean, if the guys play, you play them. You play CeeDee Lamb, you play Amari Cooper. If they're going to go out there and try to win and get the second seed, you have confidence in playing these guys. Now, the question becomes Dak Prescott. So he lights up Washington, but then he and he looked like, fundamentally, I thought he did actually correct a few things that had been hindering him. But then he turns right back around and looks like the same mediocre Dak Prescott he's looked like for the second half of the season last week. So when you're looking at a CD Lamb, you're looking at Amari Cooper, and you're Dalton. Well, Dalton Schultz, I think, is safe either way. We'll talk about him in a second. But when you're looking at those weapons, I mean, how high can their ceilings really be not knowing what kind of Dak you're going to get? And this is a decent Eagle defense. It seems whenever they play a decent defense, Dak just looks very mortal. Yeah, I mean, he definitely absolutely lit up the secondary that first matchup. So people, if they're expecting that to kind of happen again, I think you're going to be sadly disappointed. I think with Dak Prescott, we kind of got last week. Unfortunately, with Dak Prescott, you can kind of you know expect more and more often. Um, he just missed easy throws. He made he, and he seems to be fixated looking for just Jar, you know, um, the tight end position. Um, you know, we'll talk about that he said in a little bit. But I think that seems to be part of the reason if receivers aren't being utilized. Cooper just seems to be completely on a different page. I watched two or three you know, balls to sail over his head that were three or four-yard passes where you know Dak Prescott has launched it out of bounds for some reason. I think you see Cooper getting more and more frustrated. I think the receivers in general are kind of disappointed with Dak's effort right now. I think that you're going to see you know this, these guys kind of all suffer as a result, and I'm not loving playing any of them because between not really sure what Dallas is playing for and how involved all these guys are going to be to help poor Dak Prescott has played to the fact that the Eagles secondary, as you talked about, has been pretty good, especially on the outside. You just kind of want to see who that slot option is, and maybe even CeeDee Lamb or Cooper, but both those guys kind of rotating. We even saw Wilson play there and Turner play the slot last week. So as right of right now, I'm not loving any of his receiving options, even though you probably feel most comfortable with CeeDee Lamb, in my opinion. Well, I was just going to bring this up. Michael Gallup's out again, which means CeeDee Lamb doesn't get to play the slot anymore. He bounces back out to the outside. It does become Cedric Wilson, for the most part, in the slot position. And that kind of takes away from what makes CeeDee Lamb such a mismatch. Now, he's still good from the outside, but because Amari Cooper has not been, I would be surprised that instead of Slay shadowing Amari Cooper, maybe he shadows CeeDee Lamb instead this game. I I think because of this week sets up, if these guys play, you're playing them. But I think you have to hinder and lower your expectations as a result because we don't know what kind of Dak we're getting. And again, I don't think we're going to get great Dak in this game. 
Same thing goes to the running backs. If Zeke plays, I, I don't see why Zeke would play, but I would just play Tony Pollard if I was them. Even, even if I was trying to win the game, I would play Tony Pollard if I was them. But whatever. If Zeke plays, you're playing him. Pollard is a dart throw at the flex play position. Dalton Schultz is the guy that I feel the most safe about. He's gonna be he's gonna probably be inside my top eight when I was looking through my rankings the other day. He's getting all the targets in the middle, especially without Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb bouncing back outside. He's got one of the higher floors a tight end could possibly have. You're talking about a guy who's going to average over seven targets a game without Michael Gallup. Yeah, I'm going to say something kind of oddly, but oddly for myself, if I'm in, you know, in a redraft league, the only guy I'm comfortable starting this week is Dallas is the tight end. That's it. I'm not. I'm not comfortable starting anybody else in Dallas's offense. I can't disagree. And plus, the Eagles have been terrible against the tight end, so Schultz is definitely going to be a top DFS play as well. Let's bet this game. Dallas is favored minus seven over under set at 42 and a half. Very low over under. Uh, I will take the over in this game because even when the offenses are inconsistent with each other, I do think you're going to see a 2024, 2027 type of game. I'm taking the over in this one, but I'm not going to take either the Eagles or the Dallas on the line. I'm going to take the Eagles on the line. I'm not going to take the over under. All right. I like it. Chris making a stand. I want to take a quick break. We come back on the other side. We got more games to preview. So don't go anywhere and stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. It's the holiday season and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at BillyFMDFF Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and never miss an episode. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app for your commute to and from work. Fires up on your Fire TV devices when you search for the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store. And now, starting tonight, streaming live on television when you download the Tiki Live 
app or check us out on tikilive.com slash channel slash belly up and that works for any tv streaming device as always i'm your host dan mater i'm joined here with chris dahauer going over the week 18 preview and the mess that it is from a fantasy perspective but trying to win you guys some money along the way with our betting analysis too chris we just talked about pretty much half the league here so let's get to the other half in half the time that we talked about that league. it's all right we'll, we'll fire this off pretty quickly here but we talked about dallas we talked about the philadelphia eagles the kick the, the at the end of the last segment let's dive into the carolina panthers the tampa bay bucks not a lot to talk about on the panthers side we know sam Darnold's going to play that destroys everyone DJ Moore might be a wide receiver three for me, though, because it's Tampa Bay and he is still getting a good amount of targets. He's the only playable option, for my, in my opinion, for Carolina. I think he's a receiver three option. Agree. Uh, DFS-wise, if you want to take a dart throw on Amir Abdullah, I'm okay with that. He had a decent game against Tampa Bay last time because he was involved in the passing game. Sam Darnold checks the ball down a bit more. Chuba Hubbard, I don't expect much out of. But Tampa Bay's in this situation, getting into them. What are they going to do? Do they have a lot to play for heading into this week? They're a team that can't really move up or down too much one way or another. They're kind of with Dallas where they can they can get their way into the second seat. Maybe if they make sure they get a win. But there's a lot of teams going for that. I, I And they're so banged up. I feel like they're more focused on that than anything else. But what do you think Tampa Bay is going to do this week? I, I'm not sure how hard they're going to play. I wouldn't be surprised if Brady does play. He has historically usually liked to play these games, and he doesn't. He does a good job kind of you know, taking care of himself. He's a routine and He doesn't want to break his routine. Yeah, um, but I do think that one thing, even if Brady isn't goes to full game, the things you can trust most for Tampa Bay is the receivers, receivers because they have absolutely no depth right right now. Right now, so when you saw you know Grace have a nice games, Grace is a guy I think is definitely a receiver option you can have in your lineup this week. Um, I think you look at the. You know, Tyler Johnson is somebody you can maybe consider as a receiver three option or a flex option possibly. I think because both of those guys, no matter how the game kind of unfolds or who the quarterback's going to be, they're going to be, probably, they're going to be out in the field majority of the time regardless. They're not going to get rested, quote-unquote. The other guy I like a lot, especially as kind of, things kind of unfold, Ronald Jones' injury, is Keyshawn Vaughn has every reason to kind of be involved this week. He's a younger guy. Maybe. He's dealing with a leg issue, and they're not 100% sure if they want to play him. Le'Veon Bell is a guy that you have to have in the back of your mind. Believe it or not. Don't do it. I mean, if you want to, go for it. I I would rather shoot myself in the face and play Le'Veon Bell. But I <laughs> There is a scenario in which Le'Veon Bell could be the lone back if they decide they don't want to play Keyshawn Vaughn with not knowing exactly what running backs they're going to have available to them next week in the first round of playoffs. There is a scenario where that is on the table. If they activate or sign anybody, that might be an indication that Le'Veon Bell, who was weirdly involved the way he was last week when Ronald Jones went down, could be in a position. Look, I don't expect him to do much, but Brady will check the ball down. Bell still has hands. It could be an interesting situation. I'm with you, though. If they play Keyshawn Vaughn, I do like Keyshawn Vaughn quite a bit. You mentioned Tyler Johnson. I don't want Tyler Johnson. I want Cyril Grayson. Still, Grayson over the past few weeks has actually operated production-wise, target-wise, usage-wise as that number two receiver, whether it's been to Antonio Brown or will be to Mike Evans. He's playing that Chris Godwin role, and he's very explosive. What about still Grayson, DFS-wise, redraft-wise this week? 
Yeah, that was the first guy I actually mentioned, so I didn't oh, try I must to have that. Sorry. Yeah, I, I like Grayson a lot. He was the guy that I actually think is definitely superior player over Todd Johnson. I agree with you. I think he's the most play, and Todd Johnson, Todd Johnson is the guy that you can consider possibly playing. But I think Grayson is a must play. I think no matter who quarterback is, how this game unfolds, you see a guy who's going to be involved in the offense, kind of trying to help them get themselves get in rhythm. You know, these guys don't have a lot of snaps with Tom Brady. Why would surprise us he doesn't sit this game? Tampa Bay has a lot to kind of, you know, still get acclimated to and kind of prove in a sense, particularly for struggle versus the Jets last week. Yeah, Gronk's going to be a guy. I think you have to play Gronk because I think if Brady's out there, there'll be enough work for Gronk to get. But he's a guy that I would be, I'd be surprised if he played the whole game. Yeah, I, I have to. I'm really curious to see what Bruce Arians is going to do. The one thing, like I said, the reason I was excited about Keyshawn Vaughn is historically, usually when they have a game, he's kind of iffy about whether he needs to win or not for playoff purposes. The run, younger running back is somebody he likes to ride hard in that game. So that's kind of why Keyshawn Vaughn is my by play. But I'm with you. I don't know the tight ends, guys, I necessarily trust. You can see O.J. Howard or Bray kind of being involved. But then once again, because of the receiver kind of questions they have, maybe you see Gronk get enough snap to kind of be able to be somebody you can have in your lineup. And that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's why I probably will not shy away from having Gronk in my lineup. Uh, so, and Mike Evans, if he's out there, I think you're firing him up. Although he, he'd be somebody I'm surprised they push too much, though, because he's, he's got to make sure that he's recovered from that hamstring injury because they're, they're losing wide receivers left and right. So kind of see how that one plays throughout the week. Betting this game, though, Vegas definitely expects Tampa Bay to take care of business. It's minus eight at home against the Carolina Panthers. The over are set at 41 and a half. Give me Tampa Bay to cover at home. Brady's going to play. That's enough to cover eight points against Sam Darnold. Yeah, I think if Brady's playing, I like that bet. I still kind of want to hear how much he's going to play, but if Brady's the guy, I like that. Definitely like that. Let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Colts do actually have a little bit to play for as far as seeding goes. Uh, so I think they're going to take care of business here against Jacksonville, obviously. Jonathan Taylor... RB1 on the week. Don't have to use too much brain power to figure that one out. Michael Pittman, I think, will bounce back, though, to being a wide receiver, too. I mean, look, Carson Wentz was bad last week. I get it. But take take in mind, he didn't practice all week long. It was against a, a decent Raiders team. It's hard to come out out of COVID the day of and expect to be all that sharp. I think Michael Pittman will be a bounce back guy against Jacksonville. So fire up Taylor. Fire up Pittman. Wentz is even a streamable quarterback who might be hovering in that top 12 because he's one of the few guys you expect to play the entire game. Anything you have different to say about that? Yeah, so first of all, I think the one thing to consider is the Colts are basically playing to get in the playoffs. They win, they're in. If they lose, then a lot of things have to still kind of happen for them to get in. So I think they control their destiny. They have realized that they have a lot to play for. I agree with you that you know this offense is kind of something you want to pick at, but I think Jonathan Taylor is the only guy I really trust. We've seen the Colts kind of have an issue was of, of late kind of established when they get up that they're willing to kind of run the game and depend on their defense and not expose their passing team. We saw the Carson Wentz had a 12 attempts, I think two weeks ago. So that's a, definitely a passing game. I'm not super excited about. I think Pittman's the guy I definitely like playing, but I'm not, I'm not brave enough to play Carson Wentz this week. How happy are they to get to play Jacksonville in a tight spot? <laughs> they need a well, win. Well, how odd is it that they haven't beaten Jacksonville in Jacksonville in I think six or seven years. I think it is right now. Yeah, well, that'll change this week. Uh, trust me on that one. As far as Jacksonville goes, I think you can play Daria Gunbowale. Uh, he's the only guy left. Uh, look, uh, Reichel Armstead had six carries to Dar to Dari's nine, but as we expected, Agunbowale much more involved in the passing game. He's the only Jacksonville Jaguar I'm even contemplating playing. 
Yeah, I'm not that strongly considering playing him. I don't think I'd play him from a PPR league, full you know, full point PPR. Otherwise, I think the Jacksonville offense is so pathetic they can't score points or manufacture yards. I'd avoid this offense in general. Do the Colts not only win for the first time in Jacksonville in years, or do they and do they actually cover on top of it? They're cu- the coverage right now minus. 15 and a half. The over-under set at 44. I got to think that's in reflection that they think the Colts are just going to completely blow out Jacksonville and put up a bunch of points. Do they cover minus 15 and a half? No. No. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I think Jonathan Taylor, I think I think, I think, think the big difference between us is I'm expecting a lot more production. I wouldn't say a lot more, but better production out of the passing game than you are in this matchup with Carson Wentz having a full week of practice on the belt. Because keep in mind, yes, they have to win this game, but they also got to get that passing game going before they head into the playoffs too. And because you're playing against Jacksonville, I think you can do both simultaneously. I do think the Colts actually do cover this astronomical number. I know we talked about this before about, you know, home dogs, not uh, home dogs covering these double digits, but Houston didn't last week. And it does happen sometimes. I do think the Colts will make this thing happen here. So we'll see what Chaz thinks when we get him on a Friday for the MDs DFS and lock bets of the week contest. All right, Pittsburgh. I was right about this one, though, because you and Chaz both said I was crazy for taking Pittsburgh to beat Cleveland and said there was no way the Steelers were going to lose the last game for Ben at home. They didn't. I was right. You were wrong. That's okay. It happens sometimes. But this game, Pittsburgh versus Baltimore. I don't expect Lamar Jackson to play, first and foremost. But Tyler Huntley is still going to be a streaming option, number one. And I think Huntley is good enough for the Baltimore Ravens to win at home against Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll talk about betting later on in the show, later on in the part though. Is Huntley a streamer option to you? And do you think the Ravens are going to play everybody? Yes. And yes. Um, I absolutely think Huntley is an option for me. I think he's somebody that even though you had him see in a great game last week, still has a safe floor with the rushing and you expect him to score touchdowns again. The Ravens had not scored, hadn't had the game where they had not scored a touchdown since 2018. So it's definitely an aberration with kind of what they went through last week and in a lot of senses. And Pittsburgh's defense, that's still not that good, despite what you kind of saw versus the, you know, this Browns offense this past week. Um, you know, one of the things you didn't mention was, and I talked about earlier in the show, is I still think Cleveland was trying to lose that game. So I know about that part. I don't chat <laughs> it either. Um, <laughs> but having said all that, I think Ravens have no intentions of trying to throw this game purposely or trying to lose the game. I think they were going to play for pride. I think they'll play all of our starters. I think they'll play hard. No, I, I agree with that part of it. And look, keep in mind, Huntley, he came off the COVID list late in the week last week, too. They weren't even sure he was going to play pretty much until Saturday. So there was a lot of things he had to overcome, and he didn't look 100% himself. But fantasy-wise, he runs and he throws, and he does a pretty good job. Mark Andrews, he's going to play. Fire him up. He's one of the safest tight ends. He's going to be uh, my tight end, two on the week, right behind Travis Kelsey, most likely. Marquise Brown, I think, you probably have to play him. He's going to be more in that wide receiver three territory. Huntley has shown he'll at least get him the volume that's acceptable to feel good about at least him being involved. What he does with it after that will become into question, but I do think you have to play a Marquise Brown. I'm not touching the running backs, though, and I'm not touching any other pass catchers outside of Andrews and Marquise Brown either uh, because with the running game in particular, Latavius Murray, even though he's super inefficient, they keep giving him more and more touches every single week. Yeah, they do for some odd reason. But I'm going to kind of flip-flop on you there, right? Where I don't really feel like comfortable playing, playing Marquise Brown this week, but I do feel playing Bateman. Bateman's kind of the receiver who's taking over the playing time and getting the usage over the last three weeks. 
also has a connection, I think, with Hutley. Two out of the last three games has led the team in targets without – well, other than Andrews, I should say, because Andrews is the exception where he's just, he is the offense. Andrews right eating up everything. Yeah. Um, but outside of Andrews, has been a leading receiving, you know, receiving target guy um, between seven and eight targets a game. So I think this is a guy that I like a little bit more than Brown. I think Brown's going to be kind of, you know, is, I think, injured to a degree. Offense is kind of struggling involving him right now. So it's not something I necessarily trust. And I would play Freeman this week. I know that Murray's been kind of utilized more and more and kind of annoying. I think Freeman's a more explosive guy. I think Baltimore will make the you know, same mistake that we just watched Cleveland make, do, and that's all, this Pittsburgh defense off that can't stop the run. And I think you will see the Ravens actually try to run the ball this week. I, I don't – I mean, look, I, as far as what options you have available to you, that might lead you into needing to play Devonta Freeman maybe in that scenario, but I'm not trusting it because Latavius Murray is just getting too much work. On the Steelers' side, you play Najee Harris. You play Deontay Johnson. I think you stream Pat Freermuth. Am I missing anything? Nope. <laughs> like Chase Claypool is just, he's just not a play. He's just not getting enough volume. And it, it's, it's sad to see that's going to Steelers will be a very interesting team to see what happens at quarterback next year, because I don't think their starting quarterback for 2022 is currently on the roster. I really don't. No, I think it's obviously not. I mean, maybe the way Haskins gets that shot, but I think uh, for me, I don't think it's Rudolph's the answer. I don't think they're going to pass him to gets that chance. I don't think he's on that team, but I do think it's a nice situation. They're only a couple pieces away from, you know, especially off the line to kind of solidifying what they have on offense. So it's not a bad place to have a good quarterback, whether it's a rookie or some guy you bring in. Uh, Vegas does think the Ravens will take care of business at home. They are favored at minus five and a half points. The over are set at 41 and a half. I don't like that line for the Ravens. Give me the Steelers plus five and a half. I think the Ravens win, but I do believe this game is going to be closer to a field goal margin. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Yeah, I'm not throw the spell on this game at all, but if I were to, I would take the Ravens to cover. Okay. Let's dive into Tennessee and Houston. So Tennessee can get the number one seed. God, the AFC is a complete crap show. Like Tennessee has been one of the coldest teams until last week. And they can get well, the last two weeks, I should say, because they, they beat the 49ers in, in tremendous fashion, but they can still get that number one seed. It's absolutely mind blowing. So they got something to play for, and they're playing Houston. Just like the Colts get to play Jacksonville, they get to play Houston. Uh, Houston came back down to earth last week. I think that continues. The biggest difference being when they play competent defenses, they stink. Tennessee is not just a competent defense this year, especially over the past seven weeks now. There are a top three defense in the NFL over the past seven weeks. They'll take care of business in this thing. And you can also 
trust their guys because they have something to play for. I'm firing up AJ Brown. He's going to be a, a, a wide receiver one for me. I'm firing up Dante Foreman, who's going to have his last hurrah to be a Derrick Henry figure. Derrick Henry, shout out to him, came back to practice this week. I'm not expecting Derrick Henry to play in any, or at least not play in any significant way. They maybe could I see the scenario? They give him a couple touches just to see how he's doing. Maybe, but I, I doubt it. He's going to be out. He's going to, they're getting him ramped up this week to get him ready for the playoffs. So Foreman will get his crack. It's against Houston. I think you're playing him with confidence as well. I'm playing Foreman with confidence. The AJ Brown, I think you definitely play him. Having said that, I definitely don't think he's a receiver one. And I have some concerns about his usage. Just get to what I saw last week where we only had two catches for 41 yards. This team can easily just run the ball and easily beat this Houston team, especially with the defense being as you know too much better than the offensive they're facing. I do think it's going to be an easy game where they can kind of grind it out and win ugly. And I wouldn't be surprised if A.J. Brown kind of suffers as a result of that. Um, but there's nobody else in this game that I'm even really excited to play for you know the Texans. Or I was, sorry, for the- well, I was going to say, are you streaming Ryan Tannehill at all because it's Houston? I'd have to be in super, super dire straits, but I really would not want to. No. I wouldn't I wouldn't blame you though. On the Houston side, you can fire up Brandon Cooks. I'm confident about that. Like I don't love the matchup. And I don't think he has necessarily a high ceiling, but the usage is gonna be there because they need Davis Mills to continue gaining confidence because I honestly, I'm a betting man. I would bet on Davis Mills being the starting quarterback for Houston next year, even though that would be a complete catastrophe. But I, I do think that's going to happen. I think they're trying to gear him up for that. Oh, this is the Giants making all over again. We're going to watch another <laughs> franchise flush Flush's future down the drain again. They're going to sell themselves with this coach is going to be an answer and the quarterback's an answer. We're going to watch all season long it not be the answer next year and then we back square one all over again. But yeah, I think that the only guy you even have any inclination to play the offense is going to have to be Brandon Cooks because you do love the floor and the usage because he's so much involved in this passing attack. All right. So Tennessee's on the road, just like San Francisco was last week with another double digit stat line. This one's at 10 and a half. I'm taking Tennessee to cover. And I'm, I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick to my thing with Tennessee and say, I do not pick them to cover because that is not what Tennessee seems to want to do. They want as ugly as possible. So I'm avoiding betting on this game. You know, because I think they should cover, but I just think they don't want to. The over-under set at 43. It's one of the bigger over-unders that we've Ooh. actually talked about so far. <laughs> How about them apples? I think Tennessee, I definitely think Tennessee covers this, this week. They'll, they'll be able to do it, running the football, whatever it takes, but they're going to cover. They're going to cover. You, you're not going to play down that far, not when you have something to play for and that good of a matchup. This game's on Saturday. Chiefs, Denver. Chiefs and the Saints, they're with Tennessee. They're trying to jostle for that number one seed spot. So Kansas City's got something to play for, believe it or not, heading into week 18. Good. Mahomes, play him. Hill, he's been disappointing. You're playing him. Kelsey, disappointing. You're playing him. Uh, I don't know if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to play. I don't see him playing. He's one of those guys where I feel like even if he does get going and practice this week, I feel like you just hold him out anyway because, I mean, Darrell Williams has actually been better than Clyde Edwards-Alaire anyway. So I don't see why you'd rush him back out there. Yeah, I think you play all the three of those guys. Talk about Hill, Kelsey, and Mahomes. But I think the running back position, you start Williams. Um, even if Edwards-Alaire was be back, I think you saw Williams as a flex option. I would not start Edwards-Alaire this week, though. On Denver's side, unfortunately, Drew Locke is going to yet again be the quarterback. So 
maybe it could be ripping now because Lock's it could be ripping. It's it's gonna be lock or it's gonna be worse. Let's let's just put Ooh. it that way. Either way, I'm not playing Sutton. I'm not playing and Jerry Judy comes back. No way. There's not a single Denver Bronco pass catcher I can play. Man, that team has so much talent. I can't wait to see what happens if they actually get a real quarterback. I know Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams have been a disaster through your fantasy football playoffs. I get it. There's no way I'm not going to play them against the Kansas City Chiefs, knowing that the Broncos and Vic Vangio, who is coaching for his job as well, is not going to just play all of his starters and try to go after this thing. I'm playing Javante. I'm playing Melvin Gordon. So the pass catcher-wise, I would consider Noah Fant as an option. You do see a connection between him and Locke. Locke seems to be his favorite target. And even if it's Rippin, it's, Rippin has some propensity to throw to his tight ends as well. So if, if anybody's going to kind of pick up the pass catchers, I think Noah Fant could be that guy. I do agree with that. That's a, that's a good call. He's still, he's, he's still going to probably be in that low-end tight end. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think he's something that you're going you're gonna to get super excited about, but it is something definitely some of the better options. Are maybe better, I like him better than like, like Todd Conklin, for example. Um, yeah, but ha- having said that, I think the running backs are something that you definitely want to play Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon I'm a little bit more cautious about. I think if Rippin's the quarterback, I do not play uh, Melvin Gordon as well. But I think if you're going to have Drew Lock back out there, I think you play both the running backs as least flex options. I think you got to play. If they're both are active, I think you got to play both. You're not going to have better options this week, I don't think. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, minus 10 on the road in Denver. The over-under set at 44 and a half. Clearly, that's a reflection of the expectation the Chiefs will be able to put up points. I'm not touching the over-under. Do they cover? Um, I'm going to say I don't think that they will necessarily, so I want to bet this game because I can see this. I can see them being Denver, but it being a, a slower scoring, like maybe like a 23, not, you know, 19, 20, somewhere around that range, like where they beat them by four or five points. So I don't think they're going to you know, beat them handily by double digits. The Chiefs cover. The big reason for me is that their defense didn't play as well as they normally did last week. I think their defense will be on a light show with Drew Locke at the starting quarterback position. It's Drew Locke for me. That winds up being the key. And that's why I agree with this line. I do think they cover the minus 10 and a half. I think they should win this game by at least two touchdowns over the Denver Broncos, given that they have something to play for on top of all of this. I just don't see the Broncos offense really being able to do too much outside of the running backs as a result. So I am taking the Chiefs to cover uh, with some confidence. Let's move to the Chargers and the Raiders. The Chargers made the playoffs. Do they have a lot to play for? Because they've already locked... uh, Let me double-check that, actually. I'm pretty sure they had already locked in their playoff... No, they did not. So they are playing... Whoever whoever wins, goes. Whoever wins, goes. Yes, this is a big game. So whoever wins this game is going to the postseason. I got to think the Chargers are going to find a way, but, you know, they're the Chargers. They usually find a way to shoot themselves in the foot at the same time. The key for fantasy, though, is that because of this, you can fire up everybody with confidence that you would normally fire up. I mean, Justin Herbert must play. Austin Eckler must play. Keenan Allen must play. Mike Williams, the almighty wide receiver three, boomer bust type of guy. He had a touchdown last week. We'll see if he can do it again this week. Uh, did I miss anybody? Because, I mean, Jared Cook, he hasn't really been able to take advantage. I know he was out last week, but he hasn't been able to take advantage without Parham in the lineup anyway. Yeah, I think you hit it all down the head. I think just to change out of Mike Williams is a good play. You say he's a good play? A good play. 
a could play, a could play. Well, I think when you say wide receiver three, I think that's a could play yes. uh, kind of range to begin with. And on the Raiders side, uh, you got to love Josh Jacobs. I know he hasn't always been productive, but it's a good matchup. And the volume has kept him in an RB2, even when it hasn't looked pretty. Uh, so Josh Jacobs is one of your favorite guys. Darren Waller, I know they're trying to find a way to get him to play this week. I'd be surprised if he was able to get out there with given his injury, his situation there. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. If he does, you probably have to play him. I don't know how many tight end options you're going to have. That's going to be better than a Darren Waller, uh, but something to keep your eye on. If he doesn't, Foster Moreau has to be considered in the streaming territory, but this is not an easy matchup for the tight end against the Chargers. They've been pretty good against tight ends all season long. So something I might want to stay away from with Foster Moreau, if it winds up him being the guy, you have to play Hunter Renfro because of the volume. What about Zay Jones, Chris? Because Zay Jones, I mean, I, I like Zay Jones heading the last week, but he did even more than I expected. Hey, just real quick, you know, the, the Chargers are the second worst team versus tight ends statistically this year. So they have been kind of hemorrhaging points to tight ends, but I don't necessarily you know, disagree that you shouldn't be a little bit cautious about having Boston Moreau in your lineup. Um, Zay Jones, definitely, I think if you kudos for that call out last, you know, last week when for DFS, um, Redford still had his decent game that I kind of called for, but you also had Zay Jones as somebody you really liked and liked his involvement. He's been a guy who's been heavily involved for the last three or four weeks. He seems to have a kind of a priority into his lineup. The only thing you're not like getting out of him right now is touchdowns, but as long as he's kind of getting that volume, he has a safe floor, definitely a receiver three option probably. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to disagree with that. Derek Carr has been, you know, terrible. You're not going to stream him either. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. This will be one of the better games to kind of see about betting on. Cause again, we like predictability when we bet and we have two teams that are going to have to play each other real tough. This is a Sunday night game, by the way, the chargers are favored on the road at minus three, the over under is the highest over under of the week. It's 29 and a half. So they're expecting some points in this game. I'm going to take the under. I don't think you're going to see a shootout between these two teams at all. I think it's this, this game's got like 24, 20 written all over it. Uh, the Raiders offense hasn't been clicking, at least not in the point production wise. Anyway, I think it comes down to the Chris, do the chargers do what they're supposed to do in this matchup and should do, which is win. In which case you're probably taking the minus the three or they find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. I'm going to go with the latter because I think that the Chargers need to be on upset alert. And I think that you're going to see the Raiders pull it out on national TV because I think that's a good story NFL wants us to get excited about. You're going to see the Las Vegas Raiders make it to the playoffs. Despite all their hard over things that they overcome this entire season, it all end with a victory over the Chargers. who Once again, miss a field goal at the end to lose the game. <laughs> uh yeah, hard to argue. It's a game I'm not going to bet. I'll, I'll say that. It's a game I'm not going to bet because these are just two teams that are too Jekyll and Hyde and have just a wide range of outcomes in their scenario, especially in a, a game in which are is so so much on the line. This is, a game, game. this is a game you could talk me into betting on because I kind of want to bet against the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, let's move to another game that has a lot on the line. The 49ers and the Rams. The Niners have to win to make sure they get in. Otherwise, they risk losing out their spot to the Saints. But the Rams, in position to win the division, in a less likely position, but one nonetheless, that they could get the second seed 
and possibly they get the two home games. We talked about why Dallas might want to play. So when you're looking at the Rams and the 49ers, I think you fire everybody up. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo, he did get listed as a limited participant in practice, but kind of like, I forget the player was we talked about earlier, but he was kind of like that very limited where it's like, eh, how much did you really do? Like, yeah, he was out there, sure, but... Damian Harris. Yeah, Damian Harris, thank you. That's what we talked about. I don't know how much he really did. I know Shanahan and the 49ers want to play Jimmy Garoppolo in this game. I just don't think it's going to happen. Even against the Rams... I do think Lance will be in that streaming conversation because he runs. I mean, this is basically what it comes down to. He runs. So he's going to be in that streaming conversation as far as your fantasy output. If you're looking around for quarterbacks that you need to trust and need to stream this week, it's highly possible. Elijah Mitchell didn't practice today. So that's something you're going to have to really keep your eye on as far as if he doesn't go. We know Jeff Wilson will be the guy. George Kittle, you play him. Dio Samuel, you play him. I think Brian Ayuk is somebody you can, you're going to consider around that top 36 option. Uh, Low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four, just because it's going to be all hands on deck. But, Chris, what are you seeing San Francisco-wise? Yeah, you're much more brazen on this offense than I seem to be. Um, I definitely think the running back, whoever it winds up being, is a play. I think it probably going to hope, hopefully it'll be Elijah Mitchell. I think you definitely, like if he is, he's a guy you have in your lineup this week. Other than that, Trey Lance I'm not super excited about. I know he runs the ball. He runs. But I think this offense is going to struggle to score. You see this offense really not click throwing the ball well. They kind of got lucked out. They played the opponent they did last week. Rams are not as bad as this team is going to be that they faced. I think you're going to see Trey Lance continue to be exposed as in a guy who can't throw the ball consistently. If they're going to throw the ball 21 times versus this Rams defense, I don't think he's going to be a play. I don't love IU this week necessarily either. I think Debo is a guy he plays because he's just such a heavy involvement, whether it's through handing the ball to him or throwing the ball to him. He seems to be one of the guys that are going to get the ball too involved. George Kittle, I question. Um, you, you seem very confident you want to put him. This is two games now that the Trey Lance has been the quarterback and George Kittle has been absolutely terrible and not even involved in the passing game. Both games he only had three targets. I know Shanahan has the tendency to kind of forget about him. Using you're not him. benching George Kittle in a championship week when you know he's going to play the entire game. You're I, not doing it. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. You're, you're not going to bench him. You're I, I, I didn't. Okay. A better okay. option. You're very, very, you're very, very opinionated about this, obviously. Streaming-wise or anything else-wise, there's no chance you are benching George Kittle. That's just ill process to even suggest so. Okay, well, so I didn't say that you should bench him. I said I would consider you could consider it, but obviously you feel very strongly about it. either. Like that, that's just ridiculous. Uh, regardless of what happens there, you have, to play, you have to play those guys because we're looking at week 18. It's teams you trust are going to play their guys all four quarters. That already gives you an automatic bump up. And then guys have been productive throughout the season. I mean, the, George Kills had plenty of games where he wasn't productive with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's other games where he is. It just depends on whether he gets featured or not. I think Kittle is the biggest mismatch that they have against the Los Angeles Rams. And Jalen, if anything, I'd be more worried about Debo Samuel than anything else because I think he's going to see the most out of Jalen Ramsey, most likely playing in the middle part of the field. Won't be George Kittle. Uh, but regardless, you're not benching any of these guys, especially when these guys have been studs for you, have gotten you to this place and are actually going to play all four quarters heading into this week. There's no chance. There's no way. Compl- couldn't disagree with you more as far as George Kittle's been terrible the last two weeks. Just to just to point that out. And he wasn't the reason you advanced to the playoffs. That line, that's, but George Kittle's always been a little bit hit or miss. There's nobody you have, unless you have Andrews or Travis Kelsey, that has a bigger upside than a George Kittle regardless, especially when he's healthy and playing the entire game. Nobody. All right, let's move it to the Rams. 
I want to give a shout out to Cam Akers because it's amazing. They're talking about he is going to make his debut, at least be active. I don't know how many touches he's going to see. He's not going to be fantasy relevant, but he deserves a shout out after that quick turnaround for for five months. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy coming off the Achilles injury. Having said all that, it'll be Sony Michelle. It'll be Matthew Stafford. It'll be Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is going to be the big one because they're going to look to break some records week, I think, with Cooper Cup. So, You'll be fired with fire him up as the wide receiver one like you typically would anyway. What can you trust out of a Van Jefferson, an OBJ? And to some degree, what can you trust out of a Matthew Stafford? Because he's been in two smash spots in a row. Now, you're playing Stafford. I'm not suggesting you're not. But what's your ceiling expectation on that guy? What's your DFS expectation on a guy who's had two smash spots and is underwhelmed two weeks in a row? I mean, I think you're definitely kind of concerned about seeing that, but it's kind of been the MO for a lot of quarterbacks this past year. So it's not something necessarily to shy you away from playing him again. I think you keep going back to the wealth. My Stafford is one of the better passing teams in the NFL. My Stafford's one of the better quarterbacks you could have in this passing offense. So I still think that you stick with him, particularly versus the 49ers defense. It's acceptable to the big play. I think OBJ is a guy you kind of see limited by his usage, but you see him involved in the red zone. So you like that he has that floor, kind of that touchdown connection. And then Van Jefferson continues to be that hit or miss guy where he makes the big plays, the Christian Kirk or the Rams, basically. So I think that you're going to get, you know, your, your four to six catches. It's whether you get the touchdown or not that kind of makes him, you know, have the high ceiling or not for you. What about Tyler Higby, too? Because he actually had a decent game last week. The 49ers are pretty good against tight ends, though. They are, and I don't think this game is going to be high-scoring enough for me to go to the well too much for the tight end position. So I think if you're going to play, the, you like the receivers, I don't think you know, so with Tyler Higby this week. This line... The Rams favored at home, minus four and a half. Over under set at 44 and a half in this game. <coughs> Give me the over. I do think points are going to be scored in this game one way or another. So I will take the over in this one, but I'm also going to take the Rams cover at minus four and a half. They have something on the line. I know Shanahan seems to have Sean McVay's number. I just don't see the Rams losing twice to a team that, is inferior to them talent-wise. Yeah, I wish I had the same confidence until I can see that McVay actually can beat Shanahan, who just seems to have, you know, a brain injury thing over him right now. Do you lean towards Trey Lance being the starting quarterback? I do. I think that would be what settles it for me as far as the Rams covering minus four and a half. I think the Rams are susceptible to being vulnerable, and I think that's why Kyle Shanahan owns them. I think he knows how to attack their edges, and I think he knows that you attack Sam Darnold, you attack um, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald in the middle by chipping him and running away from him. I think they have a good game plan how to attack this defense. That's why I think that they can run the ball all over him. Last matchup to talk about is the NFC West: Seattle, Arizona. Before we talk about this game, Chris, what is your prediction? Is it Russell Wilson or is it Pete Carroll who's gone? It's neither. I think there's going to be a lot of rhetoric. I do. I think, I don't think that Russell Wilson's magical situation is out there for him necessarily to find. And I think Pete Carroll's endealed himself enough to um, Alan's daughter that that she's going to keep him around is kind of what she expects. I think Schneider would have the ultimate decision. I think he's no rush to get rid of either guy. I think that they're going to look to maybe shop Russell Wilson, but I think they're going to like what they're going to necessarily get. I think Russell Wilson is going to find what he wants and when they get the value they want for it to work out. This. I think you're going to see like a Aaron Rodgers situation kind of unfold this year. If that would wind up being the case, though, do you think they would at least make an emphasis to change the offense? 
Because this can't continue. What happened this year cannot continue next year, and it goes beyond just Russell Wilson getting injured. I do think that there could be some situations that could happen. I do think there would be some talks about keeping the coordinator or moving on and changing the, the direction of the coordinator. Um, I also think there's going to be a major major situation where they're going to have to make some major moves of the offensive line, whether it's making a big trade. Seattle seems to be able to pull those off sometimes um, or you know, some kind of moving up in the draft. But I think there's going to be a real constant effort if they do keep Russ to make sure that he gets above and beyond protection. Also, make sure that running game is something they can kind of depend on and they have the guys who can kind of make that happen. Speaking of the running game, we'll get into the fantasy side of this thing. Rashad Penny, not too many running backs have been hotter than he has been. You got to love him against Arizona, whose run defense is about the middle of the pack right now this season, especially since J.J. Watt went down. Rashad Penny, how confident are you in him? I think he's definitely an RB2 and borderline RB1 option for you this week. You love the, the matchup in the sense that Arizona likes to have a pace, so you're going to get plays, so he's going to have a chance to. Defense isn't great versus the run. I think it's extremely overrated in general, the defense. So I think you can definitely attack this you know, team versus using your running back. And Rashad Petty has been able to hit the holes. See how he's been able to kind of get those holes for him. So I think he's going to be able to be an effective running back this week. No Alex okay. Collins as well. I'm putting IR, so it helps as well. Yeah, we got a uh, we have a comment, a question comment coming in from uh, Kevin Wilson on YouTube. Is it Shop Wilson? But who could possibly be as good as far as what they would get back in return? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I've been under the mindset going back to prediction that I thought Pete Carroll was going to be gone because uh, I didn't think there was any tr- there was any chance they would be able to move on from Russell Wilson because this is still a team that should be able to be make the playoffs but they're not. They're a total rebuild to get rid of Russell Wilson. I don't think they're a total rebuild to get rid of Pete Carroll. And I do think, I think Pete Carroll's reached a point where unless he makes some serious adjustments, the game's passed him by. I do think it would be smart for them to move on from Pete Carroll and to move into another direction. But we'll see if it winds up being nobody. Definitely would not be Russell Wilson for me. I could guarantee that much. So Chris, you and I were on the side of play DK Metcalf because you have to, because of the talent, because it only takes one play. Now, I'll say this. Most likely, if you had DK Metcalf, you probably didn't make the championship. But on the off chance that you did, three touchdowns last week for DK. You got to fire up again this week, I think, obviously. Because with Seattle, while they have nothing to play for, every, all the stars are going to play. They're, they're going to play this game for pride against Arizona. I 100% agree. I don't know how many guys, you know, when you play fantasy football, for me, getting a guy who's going to have four to six points usually isn't the difference between me winning or losing. It's usually like having that guy who scores you two, three touchdowns that usually helps you win the game week or matchup week to week. So I think DK Metcalf, where the reason we've been encouraging you to play it despite kind of, you know, the inconsistencies that you've seen is because of the production that can come. And it's more and more Russell Wilson just missing throws and just playing poorly than as DK Metcalf can't play. So I think we kind of paid off last week for you. I think you can do that well this week. Tyler Lockett, firing him up. I don't think there's any yeah. argument there. You're playing everybody. Yeah, I think he's been a disappointment for you kind of the last two weeks. You're not getting the kind of volume you want, but he's definitely a guy that in this matchup you're definitely playing, in my opinion. Yeah, and he did get the touchdown for you last week. The week before was his first week coming off of COVID. We've kind of seen that pattern happen where guys aren't able to play as much as they typically would. Uh, I would feel good about playing Tyler Lockett this week. And Arizona, again, another team they're trying, trying to play for the NFC West division. They still have uh, the number two seed at stake for them as well. James Conner did practice today uh, in a limited capacity. He should be 
in the fold. He should be back this week. They're expecting him to be. So they'll have him. They'll have Chase Edmonds. Still no DeAndre Hopkins, but Christian Kirk has operated as that lead receiver, and he has the big play ability. You like the matchup against Seattle for both the running game and the passing game. Kyler Murray will, of course, be a big-time starting QB1. And Zach Ertz, as long as DeAndre Hopkins has been out, PPR-wise, Zach, uh, Zach Ertz has been a consistent top eight tight end. I'm playing all these guys with confidence. Is there anybody I'm missing? No, I think the running backs, I think the thing to keep in mind for those running backs is I'm not loving any of those guys necessarily as RB1, RB2 options. I think they're good flex options. Um, and then you talk about Christian Kirk. I think he's a good one of the pilot receivers I really trust to play. And Zach Ertz is another guy, like you said, he's a good play. I think you're a little disappointed about you not getting the touchdowns out of him, but I think the matchup and the, and the usage is something that you definitely want to have in your lineup this week. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. They're, they are RB3s when they play together, uh, unfortunately. This line, Cardinals at home, favored minus six and a half. The over-under is 48. Taking the under. I don't think this is going to wind up being a high-scoring game. I think you're going to see an ugly divisional. I don't think this is, is going to be ugly. Just I don't think they're going to get over 48 points, but I don't think you're going to see a high-fluting, high-powered scoring machine because Seattle's just usually not in those games. So I'm going to give an upset alert for Arizona. I think Seattle actually can pull off this win. I don't mind that. Yeah. What about the over? I, 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 I can see going either way. I don't disagree with you. It could be a lower scoring divisional game, but I also think that you look at both these defenses. They're definitely give up big, can give up big plays. You see both offenses have kind of nothing to really, you know, Nothing to kind of lose. And Seattle's the reason I like Seattle in this game is because they're going to kind of play with their free spirit they kind of showed last week, especially offensively. Um, and I think that they might have a chance to kind of make this game an open open up scheme as a result. And I before you have a higher scoring game. So you're going to take Seattle outright. I'm going to take the. I'm not going to take them outright, but I am going to take the six and a half points. Uh, I do agree with you that this game will be close, if not Seattle. I would. I up. would take if I'm. If I'm trying to make, I'm not trying to be ballsy. I would just take the the, the points. But if I'm trying to, right. you know, make a if you point, you feel really I good about say, it. Plus two forty on the money line for Seattle to win the game outright. So that could be a nice little reward. I throw a shekels on that. You're really as confident as you are, uh, Chris. That's gonna do it. We're gonna wrap it up. We actually finished on time. How about that? Uh, make sure you guys are checking us out on social media because. Like I said, we went through all this, and a lot of it is still kind of up in the air, really, as far as really narrowing down your fantasy football expectations. So follow us on social media at Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel. Download us on your favorite posturing app. We're available on all the major ones. And fire us up on that live TV streaming. That's going to be the next big thing. We're going to be on that a lot. That's going to help us get out to even other places. Like I said, Roku, Apple, they're they're down the road for us. We'll announce when they when they officially launch, but those are things in our future. But for now, you can stream us to any device anyway through the TikiLive.com slash channel slash belly up. The radio station part of it, that will be coming back soon as well through TikiLive.com too, uh, which will be on your web browser and app. So a lot of great things with that. A lot of great things with the show itself. We'll be getting even better analysis, more in-depth heading into the off season. This is our last, I want to say in season regular show because DMD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week. Again, like I said, that'll continue throughout the playoffs. So I kind of consider that more as a, a transitional show. It's really been tremendous doing this with you guys. Uh, and, and Chris, I'm glad you got to join the show this year. You've been tremendous. I've been loving having a co-host with me a couple of days a week. 
Uh, takes a lot off my plate. Gives me somebody to bounce, fire off at too as well. We have some fun. Uh, but it's really been phenomenal having you on here. I don't know if you want to say anything, MD Nation. Yeah, first of all, I've watched MD Nation. Nothing but luck of your new championship. It's been fun this whole, you know, this whole season kind of has unfolded. Um, having said, you know, good luck this week. Also, if you're still playing, get the hell out and join a different league or change the rules next year because we're going to continue to encourage you as MD Nation to not be a fool to play in these last week of the season games or leagues, I should say. Um, but we do wish you luck regardless. And it's been a real pleasure being on the show. It's been a pleasure joining everybody, kind of getting you know the feedback throughout the show, kind of seeing us, you know different avenues we're kind of doing moving forward. So overall, it's a really exciting time and it's been excited to be part of the MD Nation. Love it. Everybody, we'll see you guys on Friday night. Make sure you tune in at 9 p.m. for the MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week. Chaz Florida will be joining that show as well. So we'll see you then and take care. Stay healthy till then too with the all the COVID variants coming out there. So we'll see you guys soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.